out there listening, a very warm White Cat welcome, because you're tuned in to the White Cat Outdoors podcast. What's going on, everybody? Episode 10, here we sit. Uh, pretty good bull session, bullshit session planned for today. You got White here, sitting across from me. What's going on, Tommy? Hey, how's it going, guys? You put, quit playing with your cords there? We're trying to do a podcast. Thank you. Sitting over to my right, Nick Sovaleski. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And straight across from me, we have a real special guest today. She's a friend of ours, hardest hunter I know, hands down, Rachel Zelina. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're pretty excited today because we're going to do a season recap, you know, deer season, PA, New York, Ohio, and hopefully you guys get to hear this because we have now tried, this is our third try at recording this episode. Nick can't seem to keep this episode and get it released. So we're, our fingers are crossed, third time's a charm, getting this done. So we I'd appreciate like, you, Nick. I'd like to blame technology. That has nothing to do with me. I think you don't know how to work the technology. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. See if they ever hear this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you are hearing it, you're probably going to hear it on Spotify, YouTube, Spreaker, Podbean, one of those, maybe iHeartRadio. Wherever you're finding us, make sure you're following us on those platforms. Tell your friends where to find us. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, which, pretty exciting stuff. We just released our first video. It's a fishing video that Luke did. And we're going to have periodic videos like that with fishing and turkey season's coming up. So we're going to try to get some turkey hunting videos up there for you guys. So keep an eye out for that and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And yeah. Oh, and also, as always, follow us on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook and check out the website at whitecatoutdoors.com. So we say we just get right into it. Yeah, sounds like a good plan to me. Rachel, do you want to introduce yourself to everybody for those that don't know who you are? Sure. Um, So I grew up here in northwestern Pennsylvania, Um, got into hunting, fishing, you know, as a kid. And uh, it's kind of funny because work took me elsewhere for a long time. Um, I lived in Connecticut. I lived in Richmond, Virginia. And you know, I always came home to hunt. Um, I got a, the job I'm working at now. Is, it's great. It lets me work from home. So I was able to move back here where I grew up. And um, I spend more time now than ever in the outdoors. So my passion's bow hunting. Um, but I do a little bit of everything to keep myself busy and outside year round. You got to hook me up with one of those jobs where I can just go whenever I want. <laughs> it's, well, it's funny because it's like a really wide collar job, right? So a lot of times, like, don't know if I should talk to people at work you don't about really hunting. Fit in. Yeah, well, it's like they ask you, oh, what do you do for fun? And I'm like, oh, I don't know how you're going to react to this, <laughs> you know? But, you know, I always try to present it in like the right light so yeah, that people sure. really understand what I do, why I do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, all of us, I mean, Frank is as well, we'll try and find a job that's allows us to do what we want to do. I mean, Frank gets plenty of time off at his work and my work's pretty flexible uh, to take off. So, it, and Tom's a student and he's, he can take Tom what doesn't he wants. work. He's a bum. <laughs> I work 15 hard hours a week. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so obviously like you said passion or your passion is uh, bow hunting and you actually got the biggest buck this year sitting at the table and actually better than anybody else has got here. Yeah. Um, all time. And actually won our buck pole with it and pretty much just cleaned house. A couple buck poles, didn't you? Yeah, one of a few. Uh, technically, I, gave, I won our buck pole. I was going to say, I did uh, <laughs> kind of give the money back in a couple of them because the 
antlers fell off on the drag out, so kind of disqualified me from getting a spread measurement. But I tried to give you the money. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted the good juju. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just we always we try and set it up, you know, points plus spread, so it's best mm-hmm. buck wins. Um, and clearly, it was the best buck, but we also understand and respect your opinion on it. Uh, but you want to go through maybe your hunt, and I know you had a little bit of history with that buck as well. If you want to maybe just go from the top with that buck. Yeah, actually, I really didn't have history with that buck. Um, I, ha- I had him on camera once that I didn't even know about. Uh, we bought a farm in July, um, very un- uh, unexpectedly at auction. <laughs> um, and Oops, we, were, we bought a farm. I know. <laughs> and we, so Andy and I have been together a few years, um, but we each had our own houses and property before we were dating. So we each had our own and then we bought a new one. We're like, oh, what are we going to do? We got three houses now. But this property was just too good to be true. Um, we went and walked the property and it's, it's 50-ish acres, um, but it hunts really big. It's got like some hidden fields and fingers and um, creek bottom with some apple trees. And it just has pretty much everything you could yeah, ask for. Like, to hold them. Yeah. Um, we actually, we hunted Pike County, Illinois a couple of years ago, which was everything they say it is um and when we walked this property i felt like i was in pike county and i'm like i really? have to have this piece of property <laughs> we, are, we so, are buying this today yeah we Got did half a million bucks that's what i'm prepared to pay yeah we did pay a little more than we wanted to for it but uh one night we were in the summer you know we shoot bows we drive around and look for deer and we're driving around one night and we drove the tractor path back into the one one field in the back and in the middle of the field there's just this giant buck and i was like that was worth every penny we paid for this place <laughs> so um no i actually didn't really have much history with him i i hunted um actually believe it or not it was after a bigger buck um which <laughs> so, yeah yeah the I, one you shot was pretty small i know no i was after one that i'm pretty positive um was a booner and i'm actually based on recent pictures pretty positive he survived which is really exciting um I had a really long or good season, but a really long se- really long season. I saw a ton of ton of good bucks, ton of shooters, um, passed the biggest bucks I've ever passed, and ended up taking my tag into rifle season. Um, it's a kind of disappointment I didn't get one with my bow, but I really knew what I was after, you know. So um, I encountered him the second Thursday of rifle season, and. He, it was, I was working that day. I, you know, I work, should be like eight to five, but I snuck out at four. Um, <laughs> we have to. So we won't tell anybody. I just wanted to hunt the last hour. Um, and I snuck out to this hidden field in the back where we had standing beans. And, you know, you'd think, especially in Pennsylvania, where it's really heavily pressured, um, second week of gun season, you wouldn't see a buck like that in daylight, unpressured. Um, but I'm sitting in the stand and I'm counting turkey because there's like a flock of turkey in the field. And and I'm like, 34, 35. Oh, a deer. And, <laughs> and I pick up my binoculars like, oh, that's a really good buck. Um, there were a couple other. And I re- originally thought it was just going to be the first doe out of the night because that's that's how the doe always filter out first. And and right at dark come out, you know, the smaller bucks. And um I saw it was saw it was a good buck, but I saw there was a couple of deer with it. So, believe it or not, I take my binos off of him and check out the other bucks to make sure the other ones weren't bigger. Um, 
that's quite the problem to have I, out there. I, you know? I know. <laughs> like, yeah, I got a really good buck. We'll just see if maybe yeah. another big buck's coming. Got to pick which booner you want. I know. Um, so I decide I want to shoot him, obviously. And he was about 120 yards quartering to me a little bit. Um, pretty much held right on the front shoulder, took my time, thought I made a perfect shot. Um, he kind of went out of sight, but I thought he like disappeared behind some red brush and I, I thought he was down right there because the other bucks he was with were kind of standing, what I thought were like standing over him. Mm-hmm. And um, so I waited for those bucks to leave the field. I call Andy, my fiance, and I'm like, hey, I think I just shot a good buck. And uh, like, I think he's probably 130, 140. And he's Close. like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I think I made a good shot. I feel good about it. Um, and so I go to look for him and like, he's not there. There's no blood, there's no hair, there's nothing. And I start freaking out. I'm like replaying everything in my head. I'm like, what what happened? Like, I'm really good at, at watching after the shot, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, we eventually did find some hair, no blood, um, and followed his tracks. There was a little bit of snow, so followed his tracks. Um, and he went onto the neighbor's property. So we backed out, got permission. We actually decided to wait overnight since we really weren't sure what happened. Um, and it ended up being a pretty long track job in the morning, like just little spots of blood. And we eventually found him in the creek bottom. Um, it was really special because my dad was there, um, Andy, and then Andy's dad was there. So, and, and my dad was the one that ended up finding him and he was just hooting and hollering (laughs) and like, I will never forget that moment. Um, and he was a lot bigger than I thought. So we originally scored him at 160 and seven eighths, but when we were dragging him out, I said the antlers fell out, fell off. Um, and then, so once we got him reattached and everything, we we ended up scoring him at one fifty nine and seven eight. So not quite one sixty, but still my new still best. Still a buck. heck of a yeah. buck. That's your second one in the one fifties, isn't it? Yeah, I also have one fifty five and two eights. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty impressive for Northwest PA. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, your one fifty five was also killed in Northwest PA. Yes. Yep. Wow. So yeah. we don't need longs and lats on it, but just to know that like... <laughs> Both I mean, in, yeah, Erie and Crawford counties. Yep. yep. And then, so my kind of standard for archery this year was, I haven't got my Pope and Young yet, um, and I really want a Pope and Young. I've only been archery hunting a few years since I moved back to the area, because um, I just didn't have the time before. So my biggest with a bow is 118, I think. One, Yeah, it, like a... 21 inch eight point like not a lot of mass not a lot of times but nice buck, so though. i this year i'm like i'm not going to shoot anything with my bow unless it's a pope and young and nice yeah no i mean that's a tough feat for pennsylvania i mean mm-hmm. they're definitely out there clearly i mean you've got a few of them on your wall but mm-hmm. um you know when people think of you know 150s they're thinking you know midwest whitetails but more and more often there's bucks like that being killed in pennsylvania uh it's pretty remarkable and i'm you know, getting excited myself because I know that they're around there. And Yeah, definitely. I saw, I think, four people that I know shot deer in the 150s this year. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, if you shot something in the 120s, it was mm-hmm. insane. And now, you know, you've got a couple in the 150s and yep. it's just crazy. Yeah, I, uh, so I've been hunting over 20 years. I'm 33 now. <laughs> Sad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, 
I think the antler restrictions just done wonders for Pennsylvania. Oh, Every year I continue to see more and more high quality bucks. Um, I never saw anything like that when I was growing up. And mm-hmm. um, this year I saw 13 bucks in archery that I considered shooters, um, mm. which I thought were I saw possibly six. Pope and Young. Yeah. Um, and I put po- a lot Mine of weren't like quite Pope and Young, but yeah. they were nice, you know, 17, 18 yeah. inch, eight points that, you know, yeah. the majority of people would be really happy to shoot. Right. Yeah, I, and I actually 19 different encounters with 13 different bucks during archery, and um, it just it was incredible. And I actually had the last week of season, um, you know, mid-November, I had a little mishap. Um, I drew back on, well, I tried to draw back on uh, probably a 20-inch 10-point. I mean, he wasn't real tall, he wasn't real heavy, but I really wanted to kill him. And I went in <laughs> after him. Um, he wasn't like my number one target buck, but I knew I had really slim chances of, of getting that number one Your booner. booner. He, I mean, the, that one that I think is a booner, I've had three years of history with him. I've seen him from the stand once, and I've only seen him on the hoof three times, um, which most of them were out of season. But um, this one, you know, I knew he was a really good buck. I went in after him. I saw him, um, but I had been in the stand like three hours, and it was freezing rain. But it and I, I normally don't hunt the rain, um, just because I'm worried about a blood trail and everything. I'm the same way. Um, but it was supposed to turn to snow. It was mid-November. Like I had, I took the week off. I had to be out there, so <laughs> I was in the stand a few hours, and um, I see him come out late morning, and he, I called him in actually and he came in on a string right right down this path I wanted him to 21 yards and I go to draw back and I was so cold and stiff and I couldn't pull my bow back and I had really increased my poundage this year for elk hunting and you know that's my fault is like I I should have lowered it for you know but I'm stubborn and I'm like I I want to shoot as much poundage (laughs) as I can because I'm a very small female I'm sure you and Andy argued back and forth a little bit I can do it I, yeah. And well, and it was more a matter of, okay, then I got to redo my site because mm-hmm. I use a single pin. Um, and I was just, I'm stubborn. And so that was heartbreaking because I, I put in well over a hundred hours this year and it was, that was my one opportunity mm-hmm. and I blew it. And so I like, I went in and I got warmed up and then I went back out because I didn't think I spooked him too bad. Um, I don't think he knew what happened. And so I went back out, but I went to a different stand and saw him again (laughs) perfect and he comes in this time even closer um walking broadside i just needed to stop him and i wasn't thinking that like he probably is already on edge from the earlier encounter so i give him like the to stop him Mm. and he took off gone (laughs) so that was really heartbreaking um like bad way to end bow season but i mean it all worked out in the end yeah i was gonna say i think it all panned out for you in the end (laughs) yeah yeah that's it (laughs) So you were saying how you like went after that specific buck. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to like hunting, do you do you only hunt like permanent stands or do you get mobile at all? Or how exactly would you say like when you get into bow season, how do you attack your season with um, like stand preparation or whatever? Yeah, I try to have all my stands hung like a month before season. I'm not super mobile at this point, but I'd like to be. Um, I'm... <sighs> like safety is first for for me so like I'm not really comfortable in a climber um I'd like to try out um like the saddle hunting and see if I can get a little mm-hmm. bit more mobile that way it's hard for me to like 
wrap my arm five feet nothing so it's hard for me to like wrap my <laughs> arms around a tree and hang a stand like everything else I'm, like pretty good about doing myself I like being very independent but there's only so much I can do at my size so I'm not super mobile but um and and I'm always like safety first so most of my stands are um climbing sticks hang on and a lifeline um so I like connecting before I even climb in mm-hmm. and um, feeling really safe that way. So I like to set up all my stands at least a month before season and, and then stay out of there. Um, I've got a ton of different stand locations. I do share most of them like with either Andy or with my dad. So I was going to ask if that's, if that's kind of like you, those are my stands, stay out of them. Or if you guys Andy's not share. allowed in them. <laughs> yeah. Certain ones. Um, like if there's a particular buck Andy really wants or I really want. Um, we kind of avoid each other. Like I did hunt one of Andy's stands and see one of his target bucks and I ended up passing him. Um, and Andy got so mad at me because he he's pretty sure he's a four-year-old, but he was busted. And we didn't know he was busted until that moment. And I just in the moment decided I didn't want to shoot him. And so he got pretty mad at me. But um, no, we, we share stands a lot. But most of the properties I hunt are pretty small, you know, like 50 acres or less. Um, so I try, I mean, and I hunt most days, um, because I work from home and I can't. So, um, you know, I try to move around a lot and not pressure any one property too much. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, if you're obviously, I mean, you're almost mobile with that many setups and everything. And yeah. you know, you, you see a buck in one spot and obviously you're pretty well educated with when it comes to hunting where you're, you jump into another stand and he comes through that crossing too. So, I mean, obviously you've done your homework. So yeah. yeah when you're hunting property that you know so well, and mm-hmm. you know, you've got 10 stands on a property you don't really need to have that mobile setup per se you know because it's really convenient to have the mobile setup when you know me and nick went to ohio this year didn't know the property we were hunting public and it's nice to just be able to walk in and pick and choose what mm-hmm. you want to do but you know when you're hunting you know like you said 50 acre chunks which is pretty much everything around in northwest pa you can you pretty much have free reign to set stands and set them and you're good to go. You don't have to have the mobile set up in most situations. Yeah. And so most of the properties I hunt, you know, I'm not the only one with permission either. So like I try to get in there early, get my stand set up and kind of claim, claim my area. Everyone back off. (laughs) (laughs) And so I've gotten some comments, you know, like, don't you have enough stands? And I'm like, listen, you know, I hunt you know, I want stands for different wind directions for morning for evening. It's not just me that's hunting them. Sometimes it's my dad. And so like, you need a lot of stands. You don't want to, you don't want to overpressure the deer. So it's not like I'm trying to be greedy and (laughs) take up all the space. (laughs) Just trying to be prepared. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like our property and climber, we've got stands where you can see other stands from them Mm -hmm. you know it's just same way it's sometimes different wind direction or morning evening sits you just some like especially in archery sometimes 40 yards makes a huge difference you know when you have a stand that's just slightly different but you can catch totally different animals or shot opportunities 40 yards apart well and that was pretty much the story of most of my bow season was being in the wrong stand and I could see the stand that I should have been in, you know, and see the deer walk by that stand. So I'd get so frustrated. It was like, how do I always pick the wrong one? Mm-hmm. I had that, uh, the one target buck I had this year, I was, I was on a big bean field and like there was three stands on the bean field and I'd been hunting one like a lot. I was hunting my climber and my dad put a ladder up right near where my climber was and I told him put it in the tree that I had been climbing just to make it more convenient so I didn't have to have my climber every day and so he went in there put this ladder up put it in the 
the tree I did not tell him to put it in. I guess it's my fault because I wasn't there with him to help him. I was at work. I remember and that conversation. You would text him like very specific. Yeah, what tree? face it this way, put it in this tree. <laughs> I was like, he, hey, I picked a different one yeah, for he's you. He's like, yeah, I didn't think that one was the one. I was like, well, you were wrong. And so Probably I get it. though, I would take your dad's advice. Yeah, he's a pretty smart dude, but <laughs> I'd been hunting it every day, so... I knew what I was talking about in this case. Very rarely do I, but this one, I knew. And so I'm, I walk in and I see where he put the stand and I'm standing at the base of the ladder and I'm like, I don't like this. Like, this is not where I want to be. And I didn't bring my climber in. And there was another stand that I thought about going to. Uh, actually, Andy's dad is the one that hung the stand. And I was like, I might go over there. And I'm standing there looking at it, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to give it a try tonight. So I climb up in it, and towards the end of the evening, it was about 130-inch eight-point, walked out right underneath the one that I was like, I'm going to go over there. But I ended up not, and I was like, God damn it. Like, I should have just went over there. Like, it was that close. You could see over there, and I saw him, you know, watched him for the last half hour of the night, just wishing he would walk over, and I didn't want to start grunting and making noise because it was still pretty early in the season. I didn't want to, you know turn them on to anything and yeah. you know spook them at all so i just sat there quiet and kicking myself because i should have been over in the other stand yeah. yeah that's one thing i've especially this year started working on more was just like going with that first instinct you know like when i'm trying to decide where i want to hunt the first place that comes to mind that's where i want to go because you're just I, i'll second guess it the entire time if i don't even if it's just like i'm packing my stand in like i've got a general location that i'm heading and if I cross like hot sign, I'm like, okay, let's just hunt it and we'll forget about that. Like just whatever feels right. Just so I don't want to question it. Cause then I, you, I don't want, I don't want to doubt myself when I'm in the tree. Like, oh, I wonder if I should be over there. Like I want to be focused on what I'm doing there. But yeah, the best night I had in the stand this year, um, was one of the first snows we got in bow season. And, um, I went out at like two o'clock and I'm walking to the stand that I wanted to get to, but on my way to that stand, I ran into a deer and I'm like, oh, they're already moving. I don't want to push in even further to the timber and risk kicking up other deer. And this is on a 40 acre piece where it was my number one hit lister. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to take any chances there. Yeah. So I, uh, I climbed into the first stand that I came to rather than going in any further. And I saw 16 deer that night, nine buck. Um, I passed the biggest buck. I've ever passed at 10 yards broadside and he stood there for a while and I'm like god it's so tempting. He was just asking for it. <laughs> Isn't it funny but, how though like the always the bucks that you're not interested in killing will give you every opportunity to kill them mm-hmm. oh, even yeah. especially like a buck that you probably wouldn't have passed knowing what your hit list buck yeah. was. And because you had no interest in killing him, he was going to make sure you had every opportunity to think about it. Well, it was crazy, too, because the stand I climbed into, the wind was wrong for it. So what I did was on my downwind side, I hung um, a little scent wick off a branch. And that way, because I knew they were going to cross my downwind side. And it was funny because every buck that came through, actually, when they hit my downwind side, they came straight, turned and came straight towards my tree to check out that scent and um so every buck this was probably a half hour before dark that it, the one that i passed and then um every other buck did the same thing and then right at dark i see what i believe to be my target buck now i mean it was right at dark and um i saw him at 40 come into about 45 yards in the timber so it was even darker um 
and um, I was actually in a hemlock, so it was really dark. Really dark. Yeah. Um, I mean, you still lose like light the last half hour early in a hemlock. Yeah, so it's like still the last few minutes of shooting light. But um, he came in, and instead of doing what every other buck did and come right towards me. He turned and followed the doe a different direction. He played that game so, before. <laughs> but where he came from, he would have walked by my other stand, the stand I wanted to go to mm-hmm. that I just couldn't get to. And so that was frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's probably why he got to that size, though. Yeah. He knows, he oh, knows yeah. that game. Yeah, he's he's not falling for stupid tricks yeah. and stuff. He's They get that big for a reason. I've been even looking for his sheds for you. I can't even find his sheds. Like, I'm trying to figure, I can't figure this deer out. It's just killing me remember this this was actually like back in november i took a week off and um my granddad and his buddy have a farm up in like the finger lakes and i took a week during like it was like the first second week of november i was like up there for like nine days i was hunting with my buddy keith and he had crossed over the ravine and we were both what we call westwoods it's probably i don't know what like a 40 acre piece of just all uh hardwoods like big white oaks everywhere and he had went one way and i went the other and we were both just hanging our stands as we went and I get a text like 20 minutes later that while he was climbing his stand, he had what he said was about 140 inch 10. That was like at 15 yards, he's just hanging from his tree trying to like get up. And, you know, and then I don't know where I was going with this story now. Like where, like I, I know how it ends. Do you expect me to know? No, like I know how the story ends. Just you were, I don't know exactly. Why don't you just finish the story? Right, we'll finish the story. We'll talk about Maybe, the moral later. It, yeah, yeah, we'll get to, <laughs> circle back. So anyway couple days later, uh, a couple other guys showed up at the camp, and they were all hunting towards that area, but nobody really hunts Westwoods because there's no stands over there, so you have to bring That's your That's what we were talking in. about, pressuring deer. She was talking about how she didn't want to go too far into the property and stuff. That's, yeah. So we, we come back yeah. around. Full circle, no corners. So <laughs> a couple days later, John goes and sits close to Westwoods, but doesn't get all the way over there because John's... He's got to be in his mid-50s, but he's like 6'5 and almost 300 pounds. He's just a huge dude. He doesn't do much mobile climbing, so he's strictly ladders. So he, you, There's a huge gully in between where John was in Westwood, so I can kind of see why he didn't want to cross that ravine. Yeah, it's, it's a bastard. It's bad. But anyway, so he sits on a ladder stand that's like probably like the way a crow flies, like only 100 yards from where Keith had seen this buck. And I don't know, like it was... Just right at dark, pretty much. This buck crossed it was re- the very first snow in archery season. We had. I remember that night because it was actually my birthday, or the day before my birthday. Yeah, day before. And we, I was archery hunting, and it was a pretty bad snowstorm. And he had mentioned that if it wasn't for that snowstorm, he probably wouldn't have been able to shoot that buck because the snow kind of makes you be able to see for an extra 10, 15 minutes anyway. But yeah, so he watched that buck on the other side of the gully cross right where Keith had had his stand and he grunted out like two, three times and it literally turned on a dime, shot right down to the bottom gully, came right back up and he shot and it turned right back around and disappeared. Like it was like that last few minutes of light and he couldn't see it. And he comes back to camp saying that it like he had shot a really big 10 and, but like there's not that many big bucks running on that property. So like it has to be the same one anyway. So we go back that night and there wasn't a ton of blood. And then it just like, we lost it right at the top of the gully and then Stringer, one of the other guys that was helping us track, was like shining it, and he could just see the rack down like all the way at the bottom of the gully. This is a big gully, mind you. It's, it's not it's like huge. a little ravine around here. <laughs> it's deep. So me and Tom go to get the four wheeler, 
um, to try and help, but it's useless because it's so deep and there's no trails to get down there. And John, instead of like trying to find a safe way down, he pretty much just sat down and slid all the way to the bottom. Cause like this, I mean, it was huge, but he gets down to the bottom They're hooting and holler. And me and Tom are trying to figure out a way to get the four wheeler down there. And just, there's just no way to get down there. So we finally just jumped down there and all like it's the bucks laying in about eight inches of water and like only half of the rack is like sticking up out of the water it was just so deep and we get down there gut it start dragging it back and there's like two waterfalls that are like probably like the height of this bar which is for people that like aren't standing right here like three foot or so three like four bar foot. height yeah bar, <laughs> is, is it standard bar height here <laughs> yes it is to so next time you're sitting at the bar think that it's just flowing with water and you got to carry a buck over two of them um, but we get back up there, score it, and had it grow scored at 167. And we just, it was like almost 30 inch main beams. I mean, just an absolute slob. And we've had the farm since like the early 80s. And that's by far the best buck we've ever killed up there. So it was, like I said, the previous I, best ones hanging right up there in the corner. Yeah, Frank's dad killed it. So <laughs> that's uh, the one I got this year. I think would have scored 167. He busted off three points. And I didn't know that because I never actually knew I had pictures of him. Um, but a guy like three or four miles away saw it on social media. He sent me all the pictures. And he had been hunting them. And actually, my taxidermist, um, Linkowski's, uh, he had had that buck on camera too. So from a couple of miles away. So um they sent me pictures and videos of them. Um, the one guy actually had several years of history with them. And Ouch. so I know. I know. <laughs> That's always and, a heartbreaker. And some someone like kills tiny your little target. girl kills you. <laughs> yeah, at least you weren't like lucky though, either. Like, I mean, you, you put your time in. I so mean, like it's, in that, yeah, I put my time in. In that case, it, it kind of was luck. Like, I wasn't a, hunting. I think that. a lot of hunting is luck, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. You're, absolutely. you're out there putting your time in. It wasn't like you went out one yeah. day a year and happened to cross paths with Well, that actually, this buck, so he came out an hour before daylight, which is just unheard of in PA. Um, in gun season but he came out into the bean field just to eat an hour before daylight well he walked an hour before dark or sorry an hour before dark <laughs> you breaking the yeah, law yeah <laughs> revel over i here. had my spotlight um, <laughs> <laughs> hour before dark and uh and uh he walked right by like 20 yards from this one guy's archery stand um and i had seen the guy hunt it before in rifle so had he been there i probably wouldn't have even got a shot at that buck but it was just like the back of our property line the next property over some guy normally sits there and he wasn't luckily i was there and he wasn't basically but mm-hmm. um yeah he we think this buck was like six years old based on the other guys had like four years of history with him which also is pretty unheard of around here yeah and especially to see him cruising you know oh, in yeah. daylight like that usually Bucks like that, or at that age class, aren't cruising that early. Well, and it's home. Like usually, you as they get young or older, their home range yeah. shrinks down, and they, if they got pictures three, four miles away, that's quite I, the haul for I feel like a mature buck. I wonder if he just got booted out because um, we do have game lands nearby. I was just gonna say, like with all the hunting pressure yeah. we have here in Northwest PA, like it's yeah. not inconceivable to think that he was just like, all right, the hell with this spot, yeah. I'm moving over. Yeah, and then the property next to ours is actually 280 acres, which is really nice because it's leased out, um, and that guy hunts it very smartly. Um, he doesn't pressure it a lot either. So I think by Thursday, you know, a lot of people hunt just Saturday and yeah, a lot of people are first day hunters or the first weekend or whatever. So I think all week it didn't get pressured much and he got comfortable enough to come out in daylight and come to our beans. It worked out really well. But anyway, he would have been a 13 point. He busted off an eye guard 
um, a brow. It was split, wasn't it? Uh, his brow hind was split, yeah. one brow. So he's, he busted off a brow that included a split, and then he busted off an eye guard. So three points that we figure if, if they matched the other brow and eye guard would have been like seven inches total. So he probably would have been the 166, 167 range, which I'm happy actually because like had he been 170 and I didn't get the official booner because his antlers fell off, I would be heartbroken. So like that I'm, I'm happy to know he wasn't 170. So the silver lining on yeah. that one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because anytime I like get a big buck around here, which has been a few um everyone's like more oh, than that's, most uh, that's the buck of a lifetime how are you ever gonna top that and then i give me I a keep, couple years yeah, I keep yeah, doing it. So do it i'm sure my luck will run out eventually but i also like i put in a lot of time i was I just gonna say with how hard you hunt yeah. i'm sure you're not gonna run out of luck anytime soon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean you I'm, i think you put more hours in than anybody at this table yeah. i mean especially like just I mean, working from home definitely helps for that but i mean it there's a lot of people that you know, also work from home or that hunt that, you know, they hunt Saturdays and they go to the same stand over and over and over again and wonder why they're not killing 150s. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I try to be smart about it. I, I never like lack the motivation. I'm never like, oh, I have to go out today. Um, there, there was one day actually where this was two years ago where I was on a business trip. I didn't get into like midnight on a Thursday night. It was Friday morning and it was snowing it was november 9th and i was so tired and i just couldn't find the will to get out of bed which is not like me but i'm like you know what i i have to and i dragged my butt out there and i went after this buck that we called the big eight and um it was actually on andy's property so (laughs) and that's why he tells me he's like uh you're one of the only hunters i'm threatened by because if you say you're gonna go in to kill a buck you're probably gonna kill the buck and so i went in there that morning are you known for calling shots and, on bucks? Um, no. Just that one. Just <laughs> no, that one. Just that one. Really, just that one. So I went in after that buck. Um, I climbed in the stand probably an hour later. I called Andy and I was like, hey, I killed the big game. <laughs> yeah, it's the last uh, time I'm sure he was farm. thrilled. <laughs> yeah. No, he was because... Um, yeah, it wasn't like a huge buck or anything, yeah. you know, but it was, it was cool. It was a mature buck. We were excited about it. He was proud of me. He is... He is jealous upon occasion, I would say, but he's also very proud of me. Yeah, I heard. I remember we were talking last Saturday. He was a little upset that he wasn't on the podcast first. We just yeah. told, he said, you just got to kill a bigger Sorry, buck. Sorry, Andy. He, well, he had to remind me, he has the bigger buck of all he time. Definitely, he definitely I helped him track that deer when he shot it. Oh, really? It. Yeah, I was I there when that. he shot it. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was 2009. Um, so it was that long ago yeah, already. So wow. I, don't, I didn't think it was that long. He's due for another one. <laughs> Yeah, if he'll have us, we'll definitely, we'd like to get him on and then maybe bring both of you guys on together and He says, no, you it blew out. it. But <laughs> you blew it. I would love to have like a debate episode with him to talk about, you know, like well, his version of the story versus mine because we do have some conflicting stories. I don't doubt that at all. <laughs> well, you, you push that for us and we'll definitely set something up yeah. for that. That'd be an interesting yeah. episode. Yeah. <laughs> this year, actually in gun season, um... I was working one day and I I wanted to get out to the woods, but I had some work I had to get done. And uh, he was, he was out hunting and he already had his buck. Um, He got his buck in archery. And actually the only, well, not the only reason, but yeah, probably the only reason he got. Did he win our archery pool? Oh no, Klobuchar won our archery pool. Yeah, Klobuchar won our archery pool, but it was still a nice buck. Yeah. Yeah. um, I actually had two encounters with that buck before he shot it. I had it at 55 yards and 
and which seemed really far, but I went elk hunting this year and I was shooting out to a hundred yards to practice for that. Mm. Not that I would ever shoot that far, but yeah, white tail are a little too skittish yeah. for that. <laughs> but like shooting at a hundred all summer, like fifty seems easy, you know. Yeah. And I would absolutely take a fifty yard shot at an elk, but not at all, I tell you know. And so yeah. that buck comes out and he's got his head down and he's feeding in the beans. He's at fifty five yards. I keep ranging him, ranging him, like thinking I could about end it. You right I, now. I, I could. I'm confident. I know I can make that shot. Like, no, <laughs> Rachel, like you know your limits. Do not don't be tempted. So yeah. I I didn't, but I had a couple encounters with him and then um one night we actually drew um, stand locations out of a hat. Like we narrowed it down, like these are the three stands based on the wind direction that we should hunt tonight. And him and I drew out of a hat who got to hunt each one so it ended up i hunted his buck and he hunted our farm and i saw his buck and i passed him he got mad at me he um he ended up killing that night and so he got his in archery and then in rifle he's out he's got a doe tag excuse me <laughs> too much beer um <laughs> so ladylike um, you need another one <laughs> yeah probably um so he's in the he's in the stand and like a a big box blind rifle stand, you know, and he texts me and he's like, You gotta get out here. There's a hot dough in the field and there's a box everywhere. And I'm like, I'm working. I I can't. And he's you work like from home. You I know, can. but I had can, work. Can I you had bring the get, laptop to the stand with I you? I can and I have because I have a hot spot. <laughs> I'm not kidding, I have a hot spot. So you know, get Wi-Fi, and I bring the laptop out there. So, like, it totally works. But then I only have a couple hours of battery life on the laptop, so I can't do it all day. But And I can't do it if I have conference calls. It's perfect for an evening hunt. I know. So um, I, get out, I get out there, and I climb in the stand, and he saw what he believed to be, like, a 140-inch eight-point. And, that's a big eight. And he knows, like, yeah, he, I don't doubt eight. him if he yeah, says Yeah, no, Andy knows what yeah. he's looking at. So... Uh, by the time I climb the stand, he actually watched, this is in rifle, so it's in December, he watched the buck breed the doe in the field. Um, by the time I got there, the buck was gone. Well, another buck came in and starts chasing. And so we see um, we see this doe cross our shooting lane, and we knew the buck was going to be next. So I get my gun up, I get ready, I see it coming, safety off, like ready to fire. Andy moves so that he can see, and he bumped me. I think he did it on and, purpose. <laughs> like, it was the second that the buck crossed the path, and I look at him, and it's like the death glare, you know? And I'm like, did you just make a decision to end your life sooner oh, than you were expecting? And he, like, it was, there was so much tension. We didn't say a word, like, the rest of the night. And then he eventually, he's like, I'm sorry, I just wanted to see. And I'm like, you don't need to see. I need to see. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I, so when I got... When I ended up getting my buck, he goes, you're welcome for bumping your gun the other day. <laughs> I'm like, uh-huh, really? <laughs> Thank you to Andy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's not too many people that get, you know, missed opportunities at 140s mm-hmm. and, you know. <laughs> and I, end up killing one that's almost 160. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I There's definitely some luck to it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking earlier how you were practicing for an elk hunt. Do you want to go over a little bit? uh about your elk hunt out your i don't know i don't even remember what state you guys were in we but. hunted montana oh my god it was amazing um so it was my first time. i was really nervous heading out there like just being a very small female like i don't want to hold anyone back like i you know and i, I want to be able to keep up with the guys and i don't want anyone to feel like they're 
you know, they have to cater to yeah, you. Yeah, like they're yeah. taking away from their hunt to help me or anything. So I trained so hard. Um, you know, I'd put my pack on and hike all the time. And um, I did like a half marathon leading up to it. So like I'd be in really good shape, you know. And, and so we get out there and oh, it was so beautiful. Like I would, everything about it. And I went in with um, not low expectations, but like realistic expectations, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like I know odds are really low. Yeah. Especially when you've never hunted with, an area before you're going in blind, you don't yeah. know what you're walking into. Right. Like we're hunting public land, no guide. I've never hunted elk before. We're using archery equipment, you know, like the odds are against you. So my goal was to get within bow range of an elk. I, I said that would be success for me. Um, we, I got within bow range of three elks and actually three bulls. So it was pretty amazing. Successful, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, and I will credit, I will credit Andy for that because he did all the calling. Um, I tried calling and my, we would practice all summer long and my neighbor would text me and he's like, sounds like there's a dying elk over there. Is everything okay? Could you please like, shut <laughs> up? So <laughs> Andy got a lot better at it than me. Uh, so he did all the calling and um, I was a shooter, you know, so um, we... Is that one of your tactics to make sure you yeah. put your bow in your hand while you're out there? Yeah. <laughs> I just can't quite figure this call out. I don't know how to make an elk call. Um, <laughs> hey, it worked. Uh, although he said this year, we're going to go back. And he said, this year I've got to learn how to call. So You don't have a choice this time. <laughs> I can do a good cow call. It's just my bugle sounds pretty pathetic. So, um, But we got out there and... So I navigated. We used Onyx, you know, and which was so, so nice. Um, That's what we everywhere we go. We always use Onyx. Like me yeah. and my dad went to Nebraska a few years ago, and me and Nick were in Ohio. I was he was driving, and the whole time I was on Onyx. Like, okay, here, here, here. These are the spots that look enticing. Let's yeah start going. Yeah, and that's exactly. I was like, I want to go to this area on this mountain. It looks good. Um, we got up there, and like everything else we had seen was very dry and brown and and we find this area that's just so green and you know a lot of brows and i'm like you know if, if i i don't know a lot about elk but if i were an elk this is where i'd be so we get up there and i all of a sudden like catch a whiff of elk and i'm like andy i i smell elk like i've never smelled an elk before but i know that's, <laughs> that's an elk. <laughs> that's definitely an elk so we set up and he starts calling and immediately this bull comes in and 31 32 yards broadside it was a spike and that's the only thing i did not have a tag for i could have shot a cow i could have shot a brow tine bull but no spikes so i put my bow down and started filming and it was pretty cool um he eventually circled around and went downwind of me and then took off running well andy never saw any of it because he's set up pretty far behind me calling mm-hmm. and he hears the elk run away and he kind of peeks out from behind the tree to look at me and i'm like throwing my hands in the air i'm like yes he thought he's you like, shot he's like you got it i'm like no but i cut up <laughs> like i was like that that was success for me i was so excited i had we gone home that day i still would have thought it was like the best trip ever but mm-hmm. um we had two more encounters and actually the only other hunters we saw the entire trip were literally when I was drawn back on a bull. And so, because we were, um, Andy was calling back and forth with this bull, finally got him to come in. I had him at 45 yards. His vitals were behind a tree. I needed him to take one step. So I draw back, wait for that step. And all of a sudden he takes off running the other way. We had, I mean, it was 
confusing because I'm like, he didn't see me. We had the wind in our favor. What happened? And then I see up over the ridge, I see two hunters. I'm like, ah, are you kidding me? (laughs) So later that day, um, you know, we continue on and we wanted to head back to that area where we had seen the spike the first day. Um, And we get up there and we're on the same game trail that we were on a couple days before. And I see this pile of <laughs> of what looks like digested berries and like a very large pile. And I'm like, uh, Andy, what's that? And he's like, I think it's That's bear- nothing, dear. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that might be bear poop, Rich. And I'm like, oh boy. And he's like, well, maybe it's black bear poop. I'm like, no, I, I know what black bear poop looks like. That is not black bear we poop. We have black bears back home. Yeah. That looks and, like grizzly shit right there. Yep. <laughs> and so it was funny because I had my phone in airplane mode the whole time, but I turned it off, off airplane mode just to see if I'd service and I did. And so I'm like, I Google, what does grizzly shit look like? And the first image that comes up on Google looked exactly like what I was looking at. Someone took a picture of this pile. And I kid you not, this was the only day I didn't carry my sidearm because it was like day seven of our trip. I was exhausted and I'm like, what can I leave at home? I can't leave my water. I can't leave my food. Like, how do I lighten my pack? And Andy's dad, who... The day before, I was like welcoming to my welcoming me to his family because Andy proposed out there. <laughs> he's like, "Welcome to the family," and then he's like, "Don't take your gun. You don't need a gun. There's no grizzlies around here." And then everything's fine. Yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, and so I don't take my gun that day. And now I and I I kick this pile of poop, and it like falls apart. Like it's not hard, and it's kind of fresh. And I knew I was on that trail, same trail, like two days prior. And Andy's like, that's not grizzly poop. And we weren't on this trail. It's probably old. And I'm like, I know. You're just trying to make me feel better. You're not fooling me, cowboy. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, that was definitely, I mean, I'm pretty tough. But, like, that was definitely my weakest moment. I freaked out. And I'm like, because we were in an area where it was very thick. You couldn't see far. So, I'm like, what do we do? Like, do I go back to camp? That's a couple hours to get my gun. And you waste your whole day. And I'm like, no, I only have one day left to hunt. I'm not wasting it. So, I'm like, okay, if we get around to an area that's more open, I'll feel more comfortable. So we went around to the other side of the, the mountain um, where there were some meadows and everything and, and set up there and actually, um, while we were heading over there, saw a bunch of fresh sign, again, like smelled an elk and called one in and I like completely forgot about the grizzly. Um, <laughs> and that one, it was... Um, like a raghorn bull, but it one of his main beams was busted off like halfway. And I, you know, he, he was heading towards an opening where I would have had like a 30-yard shot, um, but the wind switched on us and he took off again. Mm. So those were our three encounters. It was so exciting. I got back to camp that night um, and yell at my future father-in-law <laughs> for telling me, and I'm like, well, you trying to have me killed? You just welcome me to the family. Yeah. Um, but one guy in our group did get a nice bowl. Um, we got a muley, and I, it's Andy's muley. Um, I did I did assist on that. Had uh, to finish him up. I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is going to be fun when we can get yeah, all here together. This is, It'll be fun. <laughs> See, I think I'm, I'm saying all these stories so that he's going to have to come on and like redeem himself. Or, like, yeah, he's going to have to yeah, defend he, himself. He'll have to. Yeah, the, so. the rebuttal. Um, <laughs> he said he doesn't want to be on it, but he's going to hear this and be like, God damn it, now I got to go on. <laughs> or, I, or he's just not going to marry me anymore. <laughs> Actually, well, I hope he we're not made, the reason for that. <laughs> he made a joke like, 
um, I don't know. It's been like three years in a row or you got bigger bucks than me. If you do it again, I don't I just don't know if I can marry can someone. Yes, I know. So. That's funny. Well, yeah. you definitely had a very exciting season. You killed yeah. the biggest buck of your life. You were mm-hmm. elk hunting. You got engaged on a hunt. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're just killing it this year. Yeah. So I don't, so far I'm, I'm hoping next season's better. I mean, it'll be hard to top, but I, I, we, I learned so much on the elk hunt and I had so much fun. I love the physical aspect of it. Like, so coming back and sitting in a stand felt a little boring for a while. Um, but it, we're definitely going back this year. And I, my goal this year is to kill an elk, whether it's me or Andy, like it's definitely a team sport. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like elk hunting is definitely a team sport. So whether it's him, him or me, I don't really care, yeah. but I, that's our goal for this year. And I, that would mm-hmm. be. Yeah. You say an elk yeah. hunting is a team sport. We had a guy up in Alaska this year that's from Colorado and he said he every time he goes elk hunting, you know, and he's killed some nice bulls over the years, he's always with someone else. And the way how you said you and Andy set up with him back behind you a ways, he said that's literally every time he's in the woods, that's how him and his buddy set up. Either, mm-hmm. you know, you, you he's the shooter, his buddy's the shooter, so whoever else is calling. And that's how they always do it. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, I we watched a bunch of YouTube videos. We watch elk hunting on TV. I mean, that's all we watch. We actually don't have internet where we live now so we don't have any like streaming services um so we just constantly are watching um you know hunting dvd we got old school like drury dvds and stuff but we're you know whatever's on tv um we're watching hunting shows and or i'm listening to podcasts about hunting like trying to just take in all the knowledge i can so like i could be prepared for it so you know we went in like I wouldn't say it's like we didn't know anything about elk hunting. Like we did our preparation. You were as prepared as you could possibly be. For not having done it before. Yeah. Yeah. So is Montana, you're in Montana. So is that like an over-the-counter state or how does that work for uh, tags? Like I know you said you're going back next year. Well, yeah, we're hoping to go back next year. It's a draw. Um, The draw odds are pretty good if you buy a preference point. So I think it's like 70% or 80% draw if you buy a preference point. We apply as a group. So either like one we all, goes or all yeah. go. Okay. Um, it, our fallback options, Colorado, because that's still over the counter. So you're planning, you're going on an elk hunt again, yeah. it's, whether it's Montana yeah. or a fallback. Into yeah, Colorado. that's like our uh, honeymoon plan. <laughs> so romantic. We're going to sleep in separate sleeping bags and not take showers all week. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so great. I don't think um, grandbabies will be made. My mom's bugging me for grandbabies and I hate to tell you, mom, but I don't think we're going to get any on that honeymoon. <laughs> Well, hopefully you can get some elk. That might be a better story anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So have you guys done any research for Colorado or like we for have. Montana again? Like are you planning to go to the same area or a new location? So I signed up for um, the Go Hunt Insider, which like gives you a lot of information about all the different units in various states. And um, so I found a couple other good units in Montana, but we really did like where we were at um there wasn't a ton of pressure um had we gotten there a day earlier i think we would have got a better spot we were in a pretty tough spot where we camped we had to hike a long ways to even just get started every morning um this year we do kind of want to backpack in like we had a base camp we went back to every night but this time we do want to take our backpacking tent and stay in um kind of have like a spike camp kind of thing um, we didn't do that at all. I would last love year. to do a hunt like yeah. that. Yeah. And um, I mean, it was really cool. Like, it just gave me a lot of confidence, you know, because I, like, 
not sure that I could do it, you know? Like, I talked to Andy, I was like, are you, like, I know I'm tough, but I'm also very small, and, like, do you think I'll be okay? And, like, just going through all of it, I'm like, I honestly think I could do that on my own. If I weren't worried about getting hurt, um, because I do have, like, some back issues and and knee issues on occasion, and, like, if I weren't worried about getting hurt, um, oh, also, I'm, like, very allergic to bees, and I almost got stung out there which is like terrifying to be hours from anything and tom knows all about that yeah it's not a good time so like if i weren't worried about all that i think i could do it on my own because that was part of it's like i kind of want to just do a day by myself out here Mm -hmm. like just to say that i could did you know um but it was nice andy and i hunted together every day and and just the two of us and um it it was great. Um, so I think we'll probably go back to the same area. But I have been scouting out different areas and in, um, in Colorado, just in case. Yeah, I think what you were talking about, like, no, or wondering if you're going to be prepared for it. I think a determination is a lot, uh, has a lot to do with it more. Like, obviously, the physical wellness is obviously a huge factor. But I think just being determined to succeed out there, it probably drives it so much oh, yeah. as well. Like, you know, like, yeah, this sucks, but like, I'm elk hunting. So like, how could it be any better oh yeah it was amazing and that's that's exactly what andy said to me too like a couple times during the week he's like i'm so impressed by you like he's like i know i don't think any of my friends could even do this and he's like physically yes they're strong enough but like it's the mental aspect yeah the mentally is what gets most people i just wanted to keep going and i like i was the first one up in the morning like making coffee like and everything just everything about being out in the mountain like that just the coffee tasted better like the beer tasted better <laughs> dinners were so great like i slept better than i sleep in my own oh, bed oh you sleep so good after a long day of hunting like yeah. up in alaska you're in a shitty tent it's freezing cold but you're laying there after a long day mm-hmm. of walking around moose hunting it's like all right it's yeah. bedtime i'm good to go yeah so, it was just everything about it was incredible i've never been to alaska or montana but i know i remember tom and frank both said when they were in alaska how quiet it was is montana the same way because i know you're oh, like yeah. you're way out there in montana so like it was it like almost like an eerie feeling like because like even when it's quiet in yeah. edinburgh and erie where we're at it's not really quiet yeah it was very quiet there was nothing and even um we didn't realize we were kind of close to a road at one point and we didn't realize it and that's the day that we saw those other hunters um they came in from a nearby road heard us calling came up um <laughs> But other than that one access road, um, there was no traffic, nothing. You couldn't hear. Although <laughs> there was like some cattle nearby. And so in the middle of the night one <laughs> night, um, they happened to be in our area. And it was just mooing all night long. I just, I literally, I was like, hmm, do I need to come home with elk meat or do I need to come home with some beef? Cause... There's some free black eggs <laughs> out there in that field. <laughs> so irritated. <laughs> Yeah. So is it? Are they just like out free range in, in that area? Because I remember we were in Kansas. Was it? Yeah. We were. I was turkey hunting in Kansas, and we were like hunting in some public land and all. Like you just come across like tons of cow manure, like mm-hmm. out in the wild, and it was just kind of. That's how know, it was unexpected. in Nebraska. Uh, like a lot of the farmers are allowed to let their cattle out on public ground when it's not hunting season. Obviously, they don't want their cows running around when people with guns are running around out there, but. Yeah, during, mo- I don't know how most states are out there, but in Nebraska, and I'm guessing it was the same in Kansas, uh, they can just let their, I mean, and they have to pay for it, obviously, but they can let their cattle out onto public land to graze and stuff, but they have to get them wrangled up and back on their 
property so before that seems the like insane like how i mean obviously cows are herd animals so they stay together but that just seems crazy to be like all right we're just gonna open the fence we'll come Slow back and go we'll, <laughs> yeah we'll come yeah. back for you guys in a little while yeah i don't know how it works but they there were cow everywhere and one day there was one that really was angry at me and just wanted to like follow me and charge me and andy actually had to get in the middle because like i thought i was gonna have to shoot this cow <laughs> how close did it get oh pretty close like, <laughs> good thing you had your sidearm yeah. Don't need yeah, the sidearm yeah, for grizzlies. You, you need it for cows. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have shot the cow though. But <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, probably ten yards or so. You know, wow. it was it kept following me, coming at me. This cow did not like me for whatever reason. But they and they say like, if the cows are there, you probably should leave because the elk won't be there. Um, and we definitely noticed the one day that the cows like were really passing through our specific area. We didn't see anything, but there were still. There was still fresh elk sign everywhere, so I think they get used to them. But yeah, I was gonna say yeah. they probably get used to that happening every yeah. year. If that's the case, you know, yeah. it's just another animal that they deal with throughout the year. Yeah. I will say there were some brown cows that, like, when we were glassing, I'm like, "Ooh, elk!" And no, no Hold brown the gun cows. Up. <laughs> like, well, those, but yeah, <laughs> I'd get you excited for yeah. sure. I mean, because I mean. <laughs> There's not too many animals that size out there. Oh, any, yeah. Any brown spot way out there. Mm-hmm. Now, how far could you guys see while you're in Montana? Like, do you guys have, like, spotting scopes or were you, like, with binoculars? We did have spotting scopes. We didn't take, uh, there wasn't, there wasn't a ton of opportunity for glassing. Like, right where our base camp was, we would kind of glass at first light. Um, and actually, one morning, we saw a herd of elk. Um, I they were at least three miles um, from our base camp because we we saw them. We decided there was a really good bull in the herd and we'd go after them. Um, we just busted our butts to get there in time. That was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, three miles and like as fast as I possibly could with a ton of weight on my back. Um, by the time we got there, they were gone. Um, I think most people would have seen them and be like, uh-uh, screw that. But I wanted that bull, you so know. It's back to your determination yeah. when you see something like that. But th- then there was another day where I saw, I'm like, we were kind of glassing, and I'm like, this one mountain, it looked interesting to me. It looked very green. It was very thick and dense. And I'm like, let's try that tomorrow, you know. And it looked like a good idea. But five miles later, we got over there. And we see a snowstorm rolling in, and we were not prepared for a snowstorm. Like, when we packed, the forecast said it was going to be 65, 70 during the day and, like, 40 at night. So we did not pack for a snowstorm, and we get five miles from our base camp, and the snowstorm just comes out of nowhere. And we're like, uh, we might want to go back to camp. And so by the time we got all the way over there, we had to turn around and go back. Just a quick five miles back yeah. to camp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not my best idea. Actually, I led us into, so I navigated the whole time and I led us into some questionable situations where we were like scaling the side of a rock face that I thought on the map looked like a meadow. And I'm like, let's go check out this meadow. And it was not a meadow. We had that happen. <laughs> yeah. Rattlesnake hunting last year. Like I was almost always the one navigating saying, okay, this is our next spot. And my dad chimed in like two times. And every time he said something, it was like this sucked like it was just straight up like hills like crazy like we weren't finding any snakes it was just nasty shit it's like who put you in charge yeah Yeah. i just remember uh 
when we were that, actually that was that trip we had Jared with us and uh, we had hiked. We probably did like four to five miles, and um, we had basically we had hiked that area before. And my uncle Frank was like, "Well, you know, we've walked like kind of like this big L shape," and he's like, "It should be like straight through the woods there. We can get back to the truck in half the time. We could snake hunt the whole way." And we'd had Jared with us, and I was in charge of water. Well, I'm kind of a camel. I can I can drink a bunch of water, and then I don't need it for the rest of the day. So I had brought like. I don't know, like one bottle. It was like of two. Water I, had like, I had like two bottles of water for like five guys in my backpack, <laughs> and by the point where we were just getting ready to like trek like that straight line through, Jared asked for a bottle of water, and I'm like, "Yeah, we're we're long gone, buddy. Like we're out of water." <laughs> and so he was all upset about that. And this straight line through was just nothing nasty. but mountain laurels, and it was thick, nasty crap through the hills, and it was bad. You couldn't see more than five yards in front of you, and it was that way the entire way back to the truck. <laughs> Jared was less than happy, to say the least. But And there was no snakes, believe it or not. We didn't find a single snake in there. All right, well, what about everyone else this season? I've talked a lot about mine. I think we'll start with Tom, because me and Tom kind of went back and forth this year killing deer, so... You just go, we'll just go clockwise around the table. We started with Rachel. She gave us, you know, how she yeah. kills big bucks left and right. We'll just go right around the table. We should have started with the smaller bucks with you, Tom, upgraded so, yeah. to me, and then finished with the biggest so, one. But people are going to start tuning out. Like, oh, there's no more one fifties. Done. Anyway, Tom. So my archery season was, un- I, I wouldn't call it unsuccessful. I didn't harvest anything in archery season, but I had some good encounters. I saw one really nice buck. It was a 10-point, probably 18 inches wide. And this was early. This was what I would have thought was pre-rut. This was, I believe it was before Halloween. And I was hunting the edge of this big goldenrod field. I was in the hardwoods. And I watched this really big buck come out of the goldenrods and into the hardwoods. And he put his head down and started thrashing through these shrubs and everything making a huge scrape grunting and everything and i thought oh man he's he's all fired up i'm gonna give him a little grunt action see what happens and i grunted at him and out came another little buck and the big buck that i was after chased this little buck right out and he came back and i was like all right man i'm gonna get another so he shot was hot to trot he was ready to go yeah he wasn't messing around that night and as it would, you know, you would expect a doe comes out and he chases that doe. It's like getting intercepted by a hen in turkey yeah, season. They always just never ruin fails. your day. Yeah, it's great. But that was that was my big archery hunt. That was, you know, the biggest. I think probably the biggest buck I've ever seen in PA archery hunting. So I would I would call that a successful hunt. But I never put anything on the ground until New York rifle season. I was up at the farm up in Climber. And I don't even know why I decided to hunt that night. It was probably 20 miles an hour wind, snowing, raining, just not a good time. And I'm sitting in my tree stand. I'm soaking wet. This was before I had waterproof hunting gear, so that was pretty cool. Soaking wet, freezing cold, just not seeing anything, couldn't hear anything. And it was probably about... 30 minutes before dark and I got this idea I was like you know if I was a deer and I was relying on you know scent sight and hearing I would be out in the field right now because I can't smell anything and I sure as hell can't 
hear anything. So I would at least want to be out in the field where I can see. So I climb out of my stand before dark, which I typically never do, and walk up to the field edge, and there was, I want to say, eight doe out there. And I had a New York doe tag, so picked the biggest one, put the squeeze on her, and she took off running into the woods. What kind of gun do you shoot her with? I think this will fire Rachel up. 6.5 Creed. Uh, <laughs> you got something to say? I, I, no, okay. So this is my first year shooting one. Not to go back to my book, but like this is my first year shooting the 6.5. You know, everyone talks about it. Had to try it. Um, sighted it in. It was just dead accurate. Oh, they're tack drivers. I loved Ish. it. I was no so excited. I was so excited to hunt with it. And so I shoot my buck with it. I swear, like, I swear I held on that shoulder and made a good shot. Like, I, I knew where my shot was, right? And so we start tracking this deer. There's no blood. Like, literally just if you pricked your finger in, like, one little drop. Like, that was it every 40 yards or something. And Andy, everyone else is like, I think it's just, like, a flesh wound. I don't think you hit anything vital or whatever. And I'm like, you guys, I know I hit this deer in the shoulder. and sure enough we find the deer i mean and it's sad to say but like he wasn't overly stiff and we left him overnight and it was like in the teens overnight and so, so he was alive for a while i hit him in the shoulder quartering two went did you through, get a clean pass through clean pass through came out just in front of the hind quarter on the other side all the way through his body cavity i mean his insides were mush there was no blood and i mean i only caught one lung and gods and everything but he went probably three quarters of a mile and lived obviously several hours at least you know wow. yeah so i i think like from people i've been talking to i probably was just using the wrong bullet i used 143 grain ballistic tip um which i thought was good for this gun and for deer but and actually i heard um someone i know his dad shot an elk, a bull elk at like 700 yards with the exact same bullet and double lunged it, turned the lungs just to jello and it went nowhere. Um, but I, from what I've heard, I should have used a lot lighter bullet, I guess. I don't know much about I don't, the 6 I don't but... know a lot about, I mean, I'm more, like I said, I'm more of a bow hunter. So like, I yeah. don't know. And that was my first time with a 6.5, but I did not have a good experience with it. Well, I've shot, I think, three deer now with a 6.5. Two of them went down right in their tracks. and One of them was wounded already by Nick. So that one what? doesn't count. No, not that one. That was two seasons I don't ago. Count we don't have to one. talk about that one. <laughs> that one's old news. Yeah, I'm t- I don't count that one. No, that's, we'll call that one next year, but. I don't Back count when that you had one. to finish off the muley, Tom had to finish a doe for him <laughs> after my yeah. vital hit, but it's okay. Besides that one, I've got three with that gun, and two of them went down right there. And this doe up in New York, I shot, and she ran off into the woods. And I really felt like I made a good shot on her. She was only 80 yards away. I had a hay bale to rest on, so I was pretty confident with my shot. And I walk up there. I couldn't find blood, couldn't find hair, couldn't find anything. But there was no snow, and it was raining and whatnot. So I decided I was just going to take a walk, you know, where I saw her run into the edge of the woods, which was 60 yards. And I get to the edge of the woods, and she didn't make it 10 yards inside the woods. She was piled up right there, double lung. 
So that was the first deer I got this year. And the next deer I got was actually the first day of gun season, which I haven't got a deer on the first day. PA? Yeah, PA. And I haven't got a deer on the first day of gun in PA since I was, I think, 10 years old mentor hunting with my dad. And it seems like it's just like notorious every year for the first day. We have the absolute worst weather. Like it's always pouring down rain. Right. This year was actually pretty nice. Actually, I broke. Actually, a- I didn't even get to hunt this year. I had to work. That's rough. Yeah, Wait. that's a lie. Well, you shot your Saturday. buck on opening day. Oh, yeah. Saturday. Yeah, I forgot it was a Saturday. That was extremely loud. No, I did have to work because I didn't get to hunt the morning. I shot my deer in the evening. Yeah. I had to work in the morning. So we'll talk about my deer in a minute, Tom. Why don't you just tell yeah. your damn story? Can I finish one damn story? So I get in there. We actually had an opener on Saturday this year, which was new for me. And I went in Friday, hung my climber, you know, thought I was in a pretty good spot. and go back in Saturday morning before light. And Nick's over there giving me a look because he thinks it's hit this his spot. That I showed you that spot. I've been hunting that spot for <laughs> years, long before you ever showed the it to me. Dog years, maybe. Yeah. It's okay. I would have passed him. It's all right. Yeah, I probably would have passed him too had I known. I, that's Tom, why don't you just why. tell your story? <laughs> so I get in there Saturday morning. It's still dark. Forget my headlamp. And I can't find my stand. I'm walking around. In the area that he's been hunting for years, mind you. Story checks out here. Yeah. Credibility is not shot. Woods are a little bit different in the dark. And I'm walking around for like 30 minutes, can't find my stand. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to sit down until it gets a little bit light out. And then I'll find her. So it gets a little bit light out. I was like 10 yards from my stand. I don't know how I was missing it. But climb up. Everything's good. First deer I see is like... 8 o'clock, and this is really nice 8-point, probably about 17, 18 inches wide, but pretty heavy. And where I was hunting, it wasn't an ideal rifle spot. I mean, your max shot was probably 50 yards, which, I mean, I've seen a lot of deer, but this buck in particular was... Well, shooting a 6.5, you don't want to shoot much more than 50 yards. See, a (laughs) 6.5, that's my New York gun. And when I'm hunting PA, I use my 325 short mag. You don't want them getting away on you. No, I don't. I don't really like tracking that much. <laughs> so this buck comes through, and he actually walked like we were talking earlier, right past a tree that I actually I had my climber in it the day before. You know, getting everything set up. I had I was up in that tree looking around. And I just I didn't really like what I was seeing because the tree wide off like ten feet up in the air. So I. I didn't like being that low to the ground. I wanted to get a little bit higher. But had I been in that tree, this buck would have been right underneath me. And I level with you. Yeah, pretty much. So pass on him. And you know, I saw some dough. And I was just getting ready to eat lunch. And I'm reaching into my bag. Actually, I pulled my sandwich out when I saw this buck coming through the thick stuff. And I was hunting like it was... It was a transition area. There was a big goldenrod field, and there's kind of like a funnel of, you know, briars and a little bit thin goldenrod bushes and crap before it opens up into hemlocks and hardwoods. And I figured, you know, they'd be traveling that funnel going from bedding to checks out here. Yeah. So just like I figured he would, buck comes through the funnel, and it's real thick. So I put my binos on him, 
And I see the one side has three up, and I decided, yep, this is the one. Night, night. I We had this buck on camera that was like a 20-inch wide eight-point, and he had real short, spindly tines. And I honestly, I thought it was that buck. And so I put my binos down and, you know, got my gun in the clearing. And as soon as he stepped out into the clearing, I gave him the squeeze. And I called my grandpa. I said, hey, I just shot a buck. I think it was that wide eight point that, you know, real spindly. And he said, that's awesome. I'll be right over. And he said, did you see him go down? I said, no, but I heard him crash. He said, all right, well, I'll meet you at your stand and we'll go look for him. So he actually called me on his way over to me and said, hey, I'm walking over here and I stand at your buck. And I'm like, sweet, is it the one I thought it was? He said, I'll, you'll see it when you get over here. So I climbed down, walk over, and turns out it wasn't that buck. It was... Are you telling me you didn't positively identify your target? It was, I positively identified it as a legal deer. All right, no. that's fine. Yeah, we'll I'll you, allow we'll it. We'll give you a pass. Yeah. So, it didn't have brow tines, and the G, what well, if it did have brow tines, but would have been the G2 on the one side was busted off. So, it ended up being a five point, which I wasn't, like, thrilled with, but these things happen. I get really excited. For a five, I, I will say it was the nicest five point I have ever seen. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, but I get really excited. <laughs> When I'm in the woods, like, Nick Nick will testify, like, I, he's been sitting with me, and we'll have a spike come out or a four-point, and, like, I won't even grab my gun or anything, and I'm just sitting there, like, Yeah, it's not illegal deer. You shaking, can't shoot like, it. like, crazy. Like, I can't help myself. It's bad. But, yeah, I get really excited, and I've shot a couple deer that had some ground shrinkage. This one probably had the most. <laughs> Sometimes you get excited. You I've, can't help I've gotten the, I've just shot a lob. And then a little bit of ground shrinkage, but I think Rachel's the only one that was showing bucks that are bigger when they go up to them. Yeah. It's a bit of a rarity, but... Uh, yeah, I'm notorious for that, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, I shot a decent buck. That's yeah, okay. <laughs> well, the Pope and Young buck that I shot a few years ago, that I was like, it's 130. It ended up being 144 and 6 eighths was nice. the, the final score. So that one got bigger, but why don't you tell your story, Tom? Yeah, I was working on it, <laughs> but... Anyway, I was a little upset at first, but I got over it real quick. I knew my hunting season wasn't over. It got your blood pumping. Yeah. It was something to be excited about. I still had you know, buck tags in New York and a couple more doe tags. So I didn't hunt the rest of PA gun season because I usually like to save my doe tag for flintlock season. So I decided that I was going to go up to New York for their muzzleloader season, which is... Their muzzleloader season started the same Saturday as our last day rifle here in PA. So I took my last final and went up to camp, got there on a, it would have been a Thursday night. And Friday morning, first hunt on stand, there was about a foot of snow on the ground. It was late season. I figured they'd be hitting food. So I was hunting fields the whole whole trip i was up there this particular morning i was in a hedgerow in between two cornfields and i was in a big oak tree where you can see 200 yards in every direction and it's like 12 degrees out freezing cold and it gets to be about 
nine in the morning and actually I stand up to start packing things up and there's a really nice buck, probably 120 inch eight standing at the bottom of the cornfield. But I just couldn't get a shot through all the branches on the tree I was in. So I had to let him go. I just watched him feed and then he disappeared into the corn and I watched for 45 minutes to an hour and never seen him again. So I just be like down. Danny DeVito. So anyway, so I started, I started blasting. blasting. <laughs> but I was using a inline muzzleloader, so didn't really be blasting that fast. But anyway, I went out that evening, and it was snowing like a bugger. Windy as all get out. And I actually, I, I know I said I don't do this a lot, but I actually I did climb out of my stand early again because... Sounds I, like you do it quite <laughs> often. The <laughs> only two stories you've told me. Forming much it. some of a pattern here. No, I did it this time because I was up in my stand, and these stands don't get checked every single year. Some of them get missed. Well, you're talking... There's The farm's 1,200 acres and Whoa. a lot of tree stands. So, and it's three hours away, so like... We can only do so much, so we try and check as many as you can, but we don't have anything like, we don't have a map or anything that like all of them are labeled, so some do get forgotten until it's like 15 you're on, years <laughs> later. You're like, yeah, I don't want to hunt that stuff. Mark your spot on Onyx. You should. <laughs> some um, people. So I, when we're hunting up there, sponsored. I keep a ratchet strap in my bag at all times, and I'll, obviously I'm always tied in. I wear a harness for every stand, except sometimes I don't wear them in ladder stands, even though I should, but any lock-on, I... Always, I tie in from the bottom with a lineman rope, and then, and but I always carry a ratchet strap. But go ahead, Tom. Back to <laughs> you. Back to you. <laughs> it was. Why do you ever? Why does everyone interrupt you all the time? I, don't know, Tom? I guess they don't like my stories. They just want me to get on with it. I don't know. <laughs> but windy as can be, and my tree was moving a lot, and I was in a little hanger, and I just I wasn't feeling it anymore, and I didn't want to burn myself out. I had a long week of hunting left. So I decided I was going to climb down, you know, 20 minutes early, go back to camp, maybe drink a few Jenny beers, you know. More than a few. I know you. Yeah, probably more than a few. But any hooser, that's what I did. And I'm walking out. I kick a couple dough out of the field. Next morning, this is when it goes down. So actually not yet. It did go down this morning, but not like. Maybe that's why we don't want to hear your stories, Tom, because you don't even know them. I, I know them, but it was an exciting hunt. One of my favorite stands, I've killed a lot out of this stand, South Tripod, Lower Lynn. It's a beautiful spot. Where, where is that stand at? Could you roughly? get a lat longs, please? No. Nope. That's all I'm going to give you. Just drop a pin. So I'll give you the setup. So you're in the stand. You're in a hedgerow. Okay. You're on the south side of this? South side of the field. Yeah, in a hedgerow. To your north, about... 200 yards it's that huge gully we were talking about earlier okay to what would be the west big clover field and then some super super thick pines to the south is all goldenrods and to the east there's a little clover food plot and it's all goldenrods so it's like whitetail heaven it's a great spot so i'm in there and it's another morning where it was below 10 degrees and you you ever you know the mornings when you like you sit on stand and you like shift just a little bit and your tree stand like screams at you. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the whole that, tree sounds like it's breaking apart. <laughs> yeah, absolutely nothing was quiet this morning, and I was sitting there trying to be as still as possible. But like when it's ten degrees and you're shivering, it's 
you got to stand up every once in a while to get some blood circulation. It's loud. And I'm telling myself, I was like, I got to make it to 11 o'clock. I got to make it to 11 o'clock. And it had just got to like 11 o'clock. And I'm like, all right, done. Time to pack some stuff up. And getting ready to pack some stuff up. And out comes these more dough. Coming out of the pine trees right out into the clover like I thought they would. They were just a little bit later than I thought, but it worked out. Good thing you stayed. Yeah, I'm glad I did. So pick out the biggest dough, which happened to be the lead dough, and pull up, give her the squeeze. She takes off, and I heard crashing into the pine trees. And I said, okay, she's done. Go down there, no hair, no blood, nothing. I'm like, what the hell? So I decide I'm going to go back to camp, have lunch, come back down on the four-wheeler, see what I can't figure out. Come back down, I find her tracks, follow them into the pine trees, and it was tracks galore in there. I couldn't follow these things to save my life. So I was on what I thought was the right tracks. I tracked them for like 100 yards, not a speck of blood, nothing. I'm like, I know I hit this deer. I had a perfect shot. I'm going to backtrack, square one. Get back to square one, follow another set of tracks that... I think maybe are this deer's and I find like one speck of blood and a couple pieces of hair and I take like five more steps over this log and it just completely opened up it was easy tracking from there she didn't go 50 yards from that spot got her up to camp everything's good got her packed up and in the freezer had a couple celebratory beers because you were good yeah yeah I was happy with myself Actually, I made tenderloins for dinner, so that was that was a good time. Fast forward two days, last day of the hunt, evening, and last day, last hour. Yeah, <laughs> the typical TV show hunting story. Yeah, it really was though. And I get on stand. I'm in another beautiful spot. I got corn in front of me, clover behind me, bedding to either side. It's it's a slam dunk spot. Really excited. And I was anxious. I got on stand early. I got on stand probably about, you know, one thirty, and about two o'clock. And I see these two bucks running parallel in the hardwoods with the bottom of the field. And I'm like, oh man, I think they're going to come up here. Well, they disappeared and I didn't see them again for another 15 minutes. And when I saw them, I knew that both of them were shooters. And I didn't see him again for like 15 minutes. And then out of the golden rods, out comes this, which is to this date, my best buck. And he comes out and he's facing me. And I got my scope on him. I know he's a shooter. And I'm like, I know he was traveling with another buck. I'm just going to wait. He's not going anywhere. I'm going to see what this other buck is. And I'm waiting, waiting. It felt like I was waiting for like 10 minutes. It was probably like, 20 seconds. 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, not a long time. Well, the buck decided that he was going to turn broadside. And I said, oh, well, I'm not waiting for that other one. So pulled the trigger on him, about 100 yards, watched him run down into the woods. He started zigzagging, and I watched him fall. But right after I shot, the other buck came running out and crossed the field. He was actually with a doe. And luckily, I did shoot the bigger of the two bucks. So I was pretty happy with that. Got him back to the truck, back to camp, ate tenderloins again, 
Can't go wrong there. Eating well. Yeah. And then the ride home was pretty eventful. So I'm all pumped up. I was up there on a five-day hunt. Got my buck and my doe. And coming home. And I get like a half hour from camp. And I'm thinking in my head, I was like, when I, you know, cleaned out the fire pit, it got a little bit smoky in camp. So I opened up all the windows and I can't remember if I closed them. So this is this is really bugging me. So I'm like, I, I got to find out. So I turn around, go back to camp. So now it's like an hour out of my way. And all the windows were closed. So that, that was a big waste of time. So now I'm a little bit pissed. And I'm like, well, I'm an hour behind schedule. So, oh, well, here we are. So going back to the interstate again, going through town. And don't I see the blue lights flashing behind me? I'm like, Breaking the law. Yeah. So easy there, Tom. Yeah. So I get pulled over, throwing his mic around, and like (laughs) I was out of town, so I really didn't know. Figured you'd start a fight with the cops. Figured it would all just blow over. No, I didn't really know the speed limits on all the roads, and so the cop pulls me over and comes up to my window and says, "Do you have any idea why I pulled you over?" I said, "Honestly, no, not really." He said, you were speeding. And I said, oh, okay. He said, do you know how fast you were going? And I said, no, I was just following the truck that was in front of me. And he said, well, I clocked you doing, I think, 52 and a 35 or something. Was that too many? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was stupid because, well. Because you were breaking the law. And- no, so he was sitting there's like. It's a bit of a speed trap there. Yeah, like there's into like town. a highway from- going in the middle of nowhere where it's 55, and then it drops down into a 35. And he must have been sitting like at the speed limit sign. Yeah, there's there's the speed limit signs like right in front of the Dollar General where it turns 35, and he was in that parking lot. So it's yeah. like you have to be doing 35 before you hit the sign to not get busted there. Yeah. So anyway. He was actually pretty cool about it. He didn't give me a speeding ticket. He gave me a disobeying a traffic device, which is like a lot lower than a speeding ticket. So I wasn't going to argue with him. So I think everything's fine and dandy. I'm a little bit irritated, but I'm like, oh, we're going to make it home. So get on the interstate. I get to Salamanca, which is about halfway home. And roads are completely bare. Everything's fine. And it's like I hit a wall where it was just like you could not see roads had five inches of slush on them and i hit that get sucked off the side of the interstate and there wasn't like a mile marker sign for a while probably about 0.2 miles yeah wherever they put them and i just happened to get sucked off the road right where there was a mile marker sign ripped my passenger side mirror off and so that was fun a little bit irritated about that and i'm like oh well we'll just drive back up onto the road i'm not stuck or anything can drive back and forth. Turns out I can't get up the hill. I'm like, ah, crap. Better call a tow truck. So luckily I had AAA. And I'm on the phone with AAA, and they put me on hold. And here comes another state trooper. And he comes, knocks on my window, says, you all right? So I hang up with AAA. I said, yeah, I'm fine. Is there anybody else involved? And I said, no, just me. He said, so I don't need to fill out a report or nothing? I said, no, I'm just trying to get back on the road. He said, are you trying to get a hold of a tow truck? And I said, yeah. He said, oh, let me do that for you. He's like, you'll spend forever trying to get through. I'm like, 
Thank you. So I told him, I said, hey, I have AAA. So can you make sure the tow truck you call has AAA? Oh, yeah, no, no problem. So he goes to his cruiser, comes back like 15 minutes later. Hey, uh, tow truck's on their way. Said it's going to be you know 20 minutes or whatever. I'm like, perfect. Thank you. Appreciate it. He heads out. And I'm sitting there in my car. Tow truck comes up behind me. I said, perfect. Time to go. So he pulls me out and says, how are you going to pay for this? I said, well, I have AAA. He says, oh, we don't take AAA. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. He goes, well, how about I just take a picture of the front and back of your debit card and we'll call it good. I said, I don't, I don't, <laughs> said, I don't, I don't think. Sounds good. Here you go. <laughs> so I don't you know, why don't you just take my card, mail it back to me? <laughs> so I don't think we're going to do that. So he's like, well, we can go to the nearest truck stop and, you know, you can get money out of the ATM. And I was like, well, how much is it going to be? He said, $220. I'm like, I was literally like five feet from the, you know, side of the road. Like, you just had to nudge me. You get $220 flat rate. Okay. So go to the ATM and. Good thing you didn't have to get towed to a garage. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be 30000 bucks. Yeah. So go to the ATM and. However, it worked out. They get, I couldn't get two hundred and twenty dollars. I had to get two hundred and fifty dollars, and I go and ask him. I'm like, I have two hundred and fifty. Do you have change? He said, No, I don't have any change. I'm like, cool. I'm like, well, here's two fifty. He's like, Thanks, I appreciate it. I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. So I get back on the road. I think everything's fine. How could you not get exactly 220 out of an ATM? Most ATM, well, I guess that's a multiple of 20. I, but what I was about to say was going to be stupid, so never oh. mind. Oh, this is New York State we're talking about. Yeah, I just, uh-huh. you're telling me you couldn't get 220 out? No, there wasn't a 220 option. You're telling story. Did most you of the time, it? yeah, most of the time there's an other amount option. <laughs> I didn't look into that. Probably should have. It's that guy like but, standing yeah. over your shoulder just like. He was probably trying to get his PIN number. <laughs> yeah. No, so it's just like... just give him the back of your credit card. It just said, like, you know, select an amount, and there was, like, 10, 20, 50, 100, 200, 220. We've done a 200. Yeah, I believe a 220 wasn't in that list of... Yeah. Anyway, so I was, I was like, whatever. I just want to get home. So get back on the road, and roads are terrible. Snowstorm. I'm pissed, driving like 20 miles an hour in a 65, trying to get home. And all of a sudden, my car starts pulling really hard to the right. I'm like, son of a bitch, probably just got like, you know, some snow in there, like wishful thinking. Best case scenario. Yeah. Like, we'll just, you know, kick that big chunk of snow out of the fender and we'll be back on track. Well, it turns out my tire was completely flat. And I'm like, oh, man, this sucks. So um, this is a car my brother Nick gave to me. So I call Nick, and I said, hey, Nick, um, where's the uh, spare tire in this car? Because I've never seen it in the trunk or anything. He said, oh, you got to lift up. There's like a carpet in the trunk. You got to lift it up and open the hatch, and it's underneath that. So I'm like, perfect. I did give you a warning, though. Yeah, he did. He said, I don't know if there's a jack in there. And I'm like, well... If I mean the spare tires in there, I'm sure the jack's in there. Turns out it wasn't. So more I, wishful thinking on your part. Yeah, call my dad, and he said, "Yeah, I'm on my way." 
mind you, normally I'm like 20 minutes from home. And with the weather, it took my dad like over an hour to get there. So I'm sitting on the side of the road, just waiting, waiting. Finally gets there, take the tire off, put the new one on, back on the road. I got home finally at like, I want to say eight o'clock in the evening, which I left at 10 in the morning and it's normally a three hour drive. So that puts me home at one o'clock, if my math is correct. That's quick math, Tom. (laughs) Yep. So one o'clock. Normally you're like best with shapes, but you're doing numbers today. I know. That's good stuff. I do it all. (laughs) So here's some more math. I think that's seven hours later than anticipated. You nailed it. Yeah. So I guess the moral of that story is where there's highs, there's lows. I had a great week, you know. Yeah, you did. You had a really good week. Yeah, I drank some beer, shot some deer. That was that was a pretty good rhyme. Yeah, didn't even you, mean that. You should just start but rapping. Just, yeah. We'll just start doing poetry. On yeah, the Nick, drop too. a beat. I'm gonna get going here. Let's but, not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll skip that. I don't want to spit fire. I'd probably be insulted, tear him apart. Yeah, you're probably right. Right, but yeah. So I had a great week at camp, followed by a shitty ride home. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. How good your season was, Tom's was that bad on the ride home. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. The nine, actually 10 out of 10 would not recommend. Overall bad experience. If I could give it a Yelp review, probably be zero stars. That's a rough review. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, not a good time. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much a wrap for my deer season. You know, two bucks, two does. I was pretty happy with it. But, uh, and your biggest bucks. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, can't complain there. Well, mine's going to be a little bit shorter than that. Um, but uh, so we'll start with archery season. And, uh, and you're done already because you didn't see or kill anything. So I didn't move see on to rifle. a lot, <laughs> actually. But so we had this buck up at my granddad's that was pretty remarkable. Uh, it was mainframe eight. Uh, there was a little bit of junk, but like, I don't even. We didn't, like, nobody even knew that until it was killed, right? Uh, we, my uncle Kevin had some really good pictures, so I mean, we knew it was a good eight with, and you could see in the pictures like some little bit of junk, but nothing like, probably not even scoreable points. Um, just ex- extremely remarkable, really heavy, super tall, super wide, like it had everything that you could ever ask for. Um, and that was the first buck that I was, I've ever decided I'm not going to kill anything unless that walks in front of me. I've never played that game before. Usually I'm like first buck that walks in front of me, I'm killing it. And it just happens to be better than the last one I got. I get pretty lucky. But this one was like, I'm not going to kill anything unless you walk in front of me. So I hunted hard all archery season after that buck, chasing him around. Never got a sighting of him. Um, Had some pictures like just after dark. Like he was smart. He was waiting in bed until after dark. Um, I mean, my grandpa was, I mean, like within 15 minutes of killing him. Like he climbed down 15 minutes later, the same camera that my grandpa walked by, that buck walked by. Like he was just, he was smart. Um, so I spent an entire archery season chasing him around, saw some decent bucks, but nothing that got me excited because that was what was on my mind. Um, and then he ended up getting killed like the first Tuesday or something in rifle I don't season. Even remember. I think it was the um, second week actually. Oh, was it? I Either think, way, it got killed. Remember, but it was um, killed. Really, really good buck. Ended up. I think what was it? Gross was what I scored it. Uh, I think it was one sixty four. It was an eight point, and it was one. Wow. I think it was one sixty four, one sixty six, and three eighths. Have was, I seen a picture of this? I'm have, gonna have to I'll, see a picture. I'll of keep talking. Yeah. Have Frank or somebody pull up a picture. It, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, 
and the guy that killed it's a really good dude. Phenomenal so like I, I was guy. super happy for him. Um, and he had even admitted he's like, yeah, like I he he had found it sheds the year before. He uh, oh, he wow. showed me a picture when he found the shed. He was plowing. You know, he was getting ready to plant. So he's plowing the dirt, and his plows were like right in front of the shed. He like almost destroyed it. Yeah. And wait, 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 wait. So wait, would Rich from um, the bow shop know about? Like, is this the same story Rich has told me? I don't know. I okay. story do you? I doubt it. Okay. I know I he mean, checked it. Well, in he was telling me about someone like plowing and finding a shed, and then eventually shooting the buck. So I don't well, know. That, it yeah. could very it well could be, be the same story. Oh, but um. So yeah, he was like plowing, and he showed me the picture. His plow was like a foot from hitting the shed and putting it underneath the dirt, and it would have been gone. But he picked it up, and he put the shed right next to when he actually did kill the deer. He sh- put the shed next to it, and it was literally identical. Did you show the picture of him bigger. holding it? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so they, they ended up, it was like just over six inches around the bases. I mean, just like the heaviest deer I've ever seen, and like... And after twenty three and a half on the inside, it was oh wow! Like it just it had everything. Wow! It was yeah. like I said, that was the first buck I'd ever chased. Like solely put everything into that one. I didn't even. I didn't that even. Is insane. Mine was twenty two inside, and that I thought, yeah, yeah, wow. Like I, I didn't even <clears throat> typically like I'll jump from property to property. I didn't really leave that farm. I was mm-hmm. set on. I I wanted to find that deer, um, but anyway, so. That one was taken out of my life, and that was okay, though, because, like I said, the guy was a good dude. I was really happy for him. Um, so that was all That was all of archery for PA, um, and then I spent the last week in November, or the last the last week of the season in New York um, up there bow hunting, and last year I had seen, a, like, about a chest-high rub, I mean, on a tree that was probably almost eight inches in diameter. It was just a huge rub chest high. Like I knew it was a mature buck, but I found that like after the season. So like that, I never had any encounters with a buck that I felt could leave that there. Um, and I hadn't really hunted that side of the farm much. So it was just kind of saw it, was aware of it and then kind of just forgot about it. Didn't talk about it. And then this year I went back up there, hunted that area and I saw a really tall, um, eight or a 10. I couldn't tell just because of where I was at. Um, it was like through some thick brush, but I could see that it was a mature buck and I watched him leave us another rub on a similar tree, like on that same line, um, about probably 60 yards from me. Um, and that was the first like encounter in the woods I had with him, And I was like super stoked, like, okay, like that's, I really want to kill this deer. So I moved in on him, pulled my stand, got closer. And at this point, like the rut was really starting to kick in and I knew I was like kind of losing time where it was like. I can't pattern this deer much longer. Like he's going to just go wild here pretty soon. Um, but I backed out for like a, a day or two just cause like I, there were some other guys hunting and the wind wasn't right. So I just didn't want to get in there. I got back in there a couple days later and heard some grunting coming from where I had last seen him. And then all of a sudden it, like bunch of crashing loud stick snapping, you know, just going nuts. And I'd watched doe Kim running right by probably like 30, 35 yards from me which is well inside my bow range. Um, like I, I, I'm comfortable shooting up to 50 yards on a white tail. I, in the, in a field, like looking away, but like in the woods, I don't really shoot much past like 40. Like I really won't. Um, but, uh, anyway, so the doe comes running through like 35. I'm like, okay, something's chasing that deer. 
grab my bow, I'm ready, and that buck that I had seen, which now I can confirm that it was a 10 because I got a really good look at him, um, comes barreling through at 35 yards, and as fast as I saw him, he was gone again. Like, just I couldn't get him to stop. He was on that doe, jumped right to the bottom of the gully, back up the other side, like, just gone. Like, there was nothing I could do. I was, like, kind of heartbroken because I was, like, I was so close. And now I know that, like, he's just chasing, and there's no way I can pattern him. Um, I stayed in there a little bit, a couple more days, and I never saw him again. But uh, like I said, I didn't, I didn't get anything this year hunting. I was chasing a couple different bucks, but I felt like this was the first year. I really felt like I learned a lot of stuff hunting because, like before, the last four years I've been in college and I didn't have a ton of time to hunt. So if I saw like a legal buck, I was probably just going to shoot it. And I just was getting lucky to where like each year it was just getting bigger. Like I freshman year of college i'd killed like a 14 inch white eight and then it was like 17 inch white eight and then i killed a big seven that if it it, the one side was super weak had it been both sides that would have been my first pope and young but the one side was just really weak it just had like a two or three inch tine on the one like it was like the same size main beam almost it was like 22 inches or something like that on like the main beam but it just had no points um so this year I just I felt like I learned a lot but didn't kill anything but I still felt like it was a success. But. There's definitely a lot to learn just watching deer, not necessarily sh- you know shooting at deer, killing deer. If you're just sitting there in the woods watching them and learning their patterns and seeing how they react when you're not trying to kill them, you know you learn a lot from those little interactions with them. Yeah, for well, sure. And I, even oh. like right now we've got right behind the house like we've got a corn pile and a camera out off season just to see like what made it right Mm -hmm. and like an hour before dark they'll all start coming out and i'll just sit in the back like out the watching out the back window of the house like seeing how they behave like Mm -hmm. any i mean anytime you're out there observe like you can learn every day like that's that's what i love about it Mm -hmm. you don't even need a weapon in your hand yeah exactly a lot I, I always there's one story I always tell and I won't tell the whole thing right now but you know I ended up it was after I killed my Pope and Young deer and you know I just was out filming deer one day just because I filled my tag and I was saving my doe tag and I was like oh, I'm just gonna go sit out in the field and see what happens and I learned more that day mm-hmm. than I had in the previous several seasons just sitting there watching deer. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a gun in my hand or a bow in my hand, but I was just looking at them and learning and seeing how they reacted to different things that I did. And I learned so much just from observing. Yeah. Yeah. When you take that whole aspect of like trying to kill it out of the picture, you probably can calm yourself down quite a bit when you're yeah. not worried about, you know, making a good shot. Like you can just observe I'm sure you could obviously learn a lot, like you said. But that was the wrap-up of my season. Like you said, didn't get anything, but learned a lot. White, why don't we hear how your day, or how your season went? Not oh, day. Yeah. My, my day was good. Yeah, it was a good day. That, that's what they're really here for. How yeah. was Frank's day? Probably not as good as my day. How, how about was, that shed? Yeah, that was We're a good shed. We'll bring the shed in after Frank yeah. talks, because that was a, it's a very good shed. Yeah. Let me tell my story. Okay, you talked fine, enough, Rachel. Fine. <laughs> Everyone just always gets sick of my story. <laughs> so anyway, my day was good. Thanks for asking. And my season was pretty good. I had a, I had a really good time this season. Um, archery season, I had one buck in mind that I talked about earlier in the podcast that I saw the one day out in the bean field that... I didn't get a shot at because I made a poor decision to hunt the wrong stand. 
And throughout the season, I saw five or six different nice bucks that I was like, yeah, those are, you know, good for next year. You know, they're real close to shooters, but I don't quite, I'm not going to take them with my bow. And the one that I actually ended up killing, I passed twice with my bow. And so it's I. It's that one sitting right next to you, Rachel, actually. Yeah, that one right there. <laughs> the one that won the rifle pool because it was clearly bigger than the one you shot. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even want to ask like how much the pool was worth because I was just like, I don't want to know because I don't want that to change my mind. Just keep it. <laughs> so don't tell me. <laughs> I won't. Tell you. So anyway, uh, my archery season was pretty much just all observation, looking at bucks, you know, seeing deer, and then when I saw the one that I wanted to kill, you know, I rode off pretty much everything else. And so my archery season was eventful, but I didn't harvest anything. And then I bought a pistol. I bought a Smith & Wesson 460 for Alaska. And I was like, you know, I want to hunt with this thing. And so it's a little, little dual purpose. And so I basically planned my rifle season to basically be like my archery season because I'm not... I mean, I'm decent with a pistol, but I'm not going to be shooting 150 yards with it just because it's ballistically capable, but I am not capable. So I just planned my rifle season to be just like my archery season. And I actually sat in the stand that I wanted to hunt the night that I saw the buck that I wanted to kill. And it was the first day of rifle season in PA. I didn't get to hunt the morning because I was working. And sit in the stand. It's right on like a hedgerow between two fields. And my dad's business partner, Dave Buck, was actually hunting in a field right next to me and he saw these two bucks come out into the field and he was about to shoot one of them and there i looked up into the field and saw these two and i was like oh my god this one is an absolute monster and like they're coming right down to me i was like no way this is going to be my first pistol kill like this absolute monster deer so i'm shaking like crazy getting all excited and they're working their way down and they get 40 yards from me and I can like see this deer well and it's like a 20 inch wide six point but it's illegal it's got a brow and two up I was like no like it was <laughs> so big like if it had 10 points it would have been 150 inch deer yeah. like, it was huge so I was like ah, oh, that sucks and then so I looked to the one behind it and I was like oh you know I, I've seen that buck before you know it's a nice buck and I was like, you know, I've never killed anything with the pistol. This is my first time with the pistol. He's plenty big enough. So, you know, I'm set up on him. I pull the hammer back and the click of the hammer, he jerks his head up and looks right at me. And I was like, huh, you're done. Squeezed off on him and floored him right there. He was quartering to me and it went in right in front of his shoulder and it bulged out his hide right behind, like right at the back of his rib cage. I double lunged him you know, turned his insides to jelly. He was done. So he was a pretty nice buck. He was about a 16 inch wide, eight point. Okay. Mass, decent tine length. You know, he was nice buck, nothing special. Definitely not my biggest, but I was thrilled with it being my first pistol kill. And so, yeah, that was, that was my PA season. And I guess I kind of went out of order here because New York came first. Sometimes best to, you know, go to the end end and (laughs) refer back to the beginning. Um, but the New York season, that was a, we had a lot of fun, a lot more fun than hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, we have a cabin up in New York that we built two years ago, I think 
Something like that. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think it was two years ago. So we were up there, and this is our second winter with it. Yeah, so two years. And we, I usually spend the first day of New York Rifle there, and Nick and Tom go to their other camp. And so I'm up there, and Nick decided to come with me, and our buddy, our buddy Jared decided to come too. Over Let Fly. Let Fly. Yeah, he's been on the podcast. He was our, our squirrel expert. Squirrel spurt. <laughs> squirrel spurt. Uh, so he was up at the cabin with us, and the night before the first day, we got a little, we had a little fun, and that was the first time we all got the boys together for opening day gun at the cabin. So there was a little bit of celebrating. Yeah. So we got a little tuned in that tuned in that night, <laughs> and got out a little bit late that the next morning for the first day, and I was like hoofing it to my stand. Got out late on first day. Better believe. Oh, it, it was yeah, oh, yeah. real late. <laughs> well, wait. So New York, it's like it's sunrise, not thirty minutes before. Right? Yeah, that's so you were still late. Big time. I, I wouldn't say big time, but we were we were probably time. about we were probably like we got up probably right at like legal shooting hour, and we were no, we got up when you wanted to be in, basically, yeah. And so I was like walking down the road, and I'm like hoofing it getting there as fast it as was, I it can. was rough and yeah then we we didn't even get to bed until like three that was the yeah. problem like it, it was bad poor planning on our part no excuses you're right it's <laughs> it's not a good excuse but i can hang with the best of them till three in the morning and get out bright-eyed bushy tail you can sit on a stand all day long yes, you i can. don't want to hear it we, i said you can yeah gr- um growing up well until this year really my grandpa would always have a big poker party the night before opening day of rifle so sunday and everyone gets pretty drunk and then goes hunting the next morning and like you always get up and you go because that's it's first day what mm-hmm. are you, first day yeah i know yeah that's, was... i'm so sad about the saturday opener because of that because it's like such a lost tradition but yeah it... anyway i'm disappointed in you i'm sorry big day. <laughs> sorry to let you down but so we get out there and nick jared gets set up because he was just in you know a ladder well, stand well jared had never been to the property before so i was taking him to my prime location i got one state like for that's property like it's surrounded by amish so you're you're mm. really not hunting like trophy bucks there yeah it's it's a meat spot you're filling your freezer there so yeah. like i got one spot that i claimed you're guaranteed a four point yeah there's day. there's <laughs> there's deer running by there a lot oh new york bucks are great yeah <laughs> so <laughs> i put i put jared in that stand and then i just hiked in uh with my climber and was just going to go pick a spot. There's a swamp on the backside that deer typically travel through opening day because people are shooting everywhere. Uh, and I was about halfway up my tree when shots started ringing out. And, again, not my finest hours. Shots, <laughs> mind you, with Multiple, an yes. There was more than one. So I'm hoofing it down the road, getting to my stand. I climb up, take my pack off, and I'm, like, looking around. I'm still breathing heavy. I was like, wow, this is not a good start to the morning and i'm looking around you know assessing my situation you know where are my shots going to come from and i see some does come jumping up out of the swamp and they there's a big field like there's some hardwood then field and they're running through the hardwood and one of them went all the way through and two of them turned back and came right to me and following behind them was a bigger deer i couldn't really see it at this point but I could tell its body was bigger. So I was like, okay, I think that's that's my guy. 
And then I see some antlers on top of it. I was like, oh man, we're really getting it now. So I, you know, get settled into my scope and I'm looking and he stops in some red brush. So I could kind of see him and I could see that he had a decent rack on his head. So I was like, okay, he's definitely getting the smack down. Mind you, like the biggest buck that's been killed there is like a 12 inch eight point. Like it was, mm-hmm. yeah, there really hasn't been, it'd be, like you're fighting Amish that hunt year round. Oh yeah. It's, it's very difficult. So yeah, and there's no antler restriction no up there, which definitely doesn't help. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, they play brownets down year round. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> That was another good rhyme. Yeah. Another thing in New York I heard, is this true? Like, you can sign over your tags? Yes. Just a doe yeah, tag. just doe tags. Oh, doe tags. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, yeah, you basically, like, it ha- obviously has to be done before the deer is killed. Like, you can't, like, yeah. be like, hey, I shot a deer. Can I have your tag? But basically, like, when we're done, like, opening day a gun up in, like, our farther camp, because, like, it, doe tags just, like, here, they're broken up into, like, units. Um, so yeah. like my doe tag for that area, I'll sign over after I'm gone. So then like other guys can use it while we're up there. All right. But yeah, buck tags, you can't transfer, but you do get one for rifle and one for archery. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I get, I'm on stand, you know, I see this buck coming and I decide I want to shoot him and I'm just waiting for him to step out. You know, I got my crossers just waiting and it seemed like forever, but he finally stepped out and couldn't have been that long because i wasn't even in my tree yet yeah exactly it was not <laughs> long at all and it was the same situation with you and your six five i was rock solid on that you know right behind the front shoulder squeezed off deer just stood there and i've i've seen them stand there after they get hit you know it just shocks them and they just lock up and stand there did he like hunch up at all no he just no he didn't so it, it was a little oh this gets good yeah you so I was like, well, he's still standing there. I'm going to rack another one. So I rack another one, and he literally didn't move at all. So I, same thing, rock solid, squeeze off. Now, this stand, it has a shooting rail, Oh, correct? yeah, it's a double stand. It's a double ladder. It's solid as can be. So I rack another one in. Shoot. Nothing. Can you believe we let this guy hunt up at the farm? Unreal. It is ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So... There I was, racking a third shell. Squeeze off again. Stand in there. Rack another shell. This is number four here. I touch off, and he finally takes off running. And he acted hit that time. So I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. And he stops about, at that point, he's about 40 yards. And then he stops again at about 150 and I touch off again, and just he drops right down. And I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. And I can see him, like, kicking. I was like, I need to just get over there and solve this issue. So I run over to him, finish him off. And apparently my scope had gotten knocked way off. Mm-hmm. That's what they all say. That's what we were saying, too. <laughs> Buck fever, more like it. No, I, I shot it on paper afterwards, uh-huh, yeah. and it was about eight inches to the right. So, Picture it didn't happen. Apparently, it didn't happen. Well, you heard it here, folks. Uh, so yeah, the deer ended up dead. It was about ten minutes after I got in the stand. You know, everything was done. Nick wasn't even in his stand yet, and I climbed right back down because, like, well, I texted him and I was like, "Hey, I, I was like, I got a buck down," and he was like, "Oh yeah," I was like, "Yeah, it's the biggest buck we've killed up here." And I was like, "I know it sounds like a whole herd died over here, but it was just one deer," and. So he 
he's like, all right, well, I'm going to climb down. I was like, well, I don't want to ruin your morning hunt. Like, finish Like, I ruined hunt. my morning hunt by getting in here late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, just finish your hunt. And he's like, nope, you shot the biggest buck ever killed up here. I'm coming over. So he came over. Jared came over. We got to drug it out. And we were back at the cabin and drinking whiskey by, what, 8.15? Yeah, it was pretty rough. We didn't do a whole lot of hunting opening day. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a lot more fun than hunting. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I take my archer season extremely seriously. And then rifle yeah. to me is more like tradition. Yeah, it's, I'm the same way. It's Absolutely. the tradition. Like I look forward to the night before opening day gun season more than I do actually same. sitting in the woods with my gun. Um, not That's why I hunted with the pistol this year because, I mean, I like rifle hunting, but I wanted to just change it up and do something different for rifle season. Yeah. So I shot the pistol this year. And, I mean, we can't up in New York because it's such a pain to get a pistol up there. It's basically illegal yeah. i mean the only way you're allowed a pistol as a non-resident is if you're going to a shoot like a like an actual like sanctioned shoot yeah, yeah. um which i think is ridiculous if, if i own property in new york i can't carry there which seems mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous to me i can't even yeah. hunt with it like you're trapping like when i'm in pennsylvania trapping and stuff we always carry a pistol with us and you can't do that either like there's it's because of, you know, New York City, and that governs the yeah. entire state. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that's basically how I feel about rifle season. I'm a diehard archery hunter. Like, I hunt as hard as I can during archery, and then rifle, I'm like, all right, it's fun time now. Like, let's just yeah. mess around, and that's why I shot the pistol this year, so just to change it up a little bit. Let's just, I feel the same way. Even, like, this year, taking a buck tag um into rifle you know not killing anything in archery yeah big like, change still, of pace i still took rifle i don't know like it's just more as fun you know spending like i love archery yeah obviously archery is still I fun love archery. But... like i love hunting by myself being alone in nature like observing a lot but i also love like the family and friend atmosphere of rifle yeah, and exactly. so like I remember one day this year sitting in, my, in the stand with my dad and rifle and there was just this gorgeous sunset and I'm taking pictures of it and he's like, hey, stop taking pictures of the sunset. You're supposed to look for deer. You got a buck tag. And I'm like, I know, but it's so pretty, you know? And like five minutes later, he goes, hey, look at the sunset. It's so pretty. And I'm like, you dad, look for deer. Like, dad, look for deer. <laughs> but yeah, it's just fun to be there out there with family and stuff. And yeah. and I like, especially with my dad, you know, any memory in the woods is just so special. Like mm-hmm. I, um, I don't know if you guys know, he was in a real bad tree stand accident. I was actually going to bring that up earlier when you were talking about tree stand safety. I couldn't remember if it was your uncle or your dad that fell. Yeah, 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 it was my dad, um, 2010. I lived in Connecticut. Um, He was archery hunting and, or no, actually he wasn't even hunting. He was moving a stand. So luckily, one of his buddies was with him, moving a stand, trimming it out, whatever. He, uh, the cables had rusted out. And I hang on. And so the cable snapped. Basically, the platform fell out from underneath of him. He was in, like, steel-toed boots, you know. So when he fell, um, his, like, hips and back absorbed all the impact. And so he broke his neck, back, in, like, five places. And I was in Connecticut um, when I found out. And um, they didn't know at the time, like, how bad it was. It took them a while to get to him and get him airlifted to the hospital um luckily his his buddy was there and otherwise 
I don't know. Like he probably would have laid there and died. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So my mom actually had beat him to the hospital, I think. And so my girlfriends that I lived with in Connecticut threw me in the car, drove me eight hours through the night. Um, I got there right before he was going to go into surgery, saw him like in the neck brace and stuff like that. And just, um, felt like throwing up, like seeing your dad, you know, like Mm -hmm. your dad like that. And, um, you know, I know he was like mad at it. He's like, Oh, so stupid. So stupid. He's mad at himself for it. Um, and he went through a lot, a couple surgeries and, and stuff. And he's doing really well now. He's so lucky to still be hunting. Yeah, for sure. Um, and be in good shape and everything. You know, he deals with a lot of pain. And he probably will need more surgery in the future. But he's very fortunate to not be, like, in a wheelchair or paralyzed yeah, just the fact or, or that he's dead. still able yeah. to go hunting with you and is huge. So, like, every memory since, like, I just cherish, like, we, year-round, like, we shed hunt, we scout, we plant food plots, we put out minerals, we check cameras. Like, every, like, I'm closer with my dad, I think, than, like, anyone else, any other, like, normal 30 year old, some year old, like woman, like I'm so close to my dad because of all of that. And that's what I love so much about hunting is like having that family aspect to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I cherish every memory with hunting with him, whether we get a deer or not, you know, it's just. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of our best memories, there isn't, you know, a kill attached to the end of the story. It's just the experience, you know, we went hunting Maryland with our buddies and stuff. And yeah, we we went turkey hunting in Maryland last year and we didn't kill a thing, but we had a blast the whole time yeah for sure but uh you know that was all of our recaps and i know rachel's was definitely more eventful than the rest of us um so uh, maybe i didn't even actually like finish my season i just talked about one deer um i got a doe too but like uh, we like to do a lot of doe hunting just because which i think i heard you guys talk about earlier you don't normally like kill doe but we like, and I think next year I'll probably apply for some DMAP tags because we have way too many does on our property. Mm-hmm. See, um, I had two doe tags this year, but the problem I have, like, not that I am against killing does, same. but like, I'm you looking know exactly at a doe. I know where you're going with <laughs> yeah. this. I'm looking at a doe and I'm like, if I shoot you, I'm going to see a buck jump up 30 yards behind yep. you and go, God damn it. Like, yep. if I would have just waited, I'd have had the buck. So yeah. a couple of years ago, I think it was actually it was last year not well, not this past season but the year before so two seasons ago i was watching a buck chasing a doe and it was a decent buck you know it was like a 17 inch seven point and i was like yeah that's not the one i want to kill so i was like well i guess the doe gets the hammer down tonight so i laid the doe down so you know i'm, not, I'm definitely not against killing does i just i have to justify it yeah. first before you know i'm like if, as long as i'm sure there's not a buck i want to kill standing right there mm-hmm. I'm going to shoot a doe. So it's like my always, it's always my plan. Like, let's kill does early in the season, yeah. right? Yep. Like, you can pretty pretty much pattern them early mm-hmm. in the season, get it done with. But I, same thing. It's like, maybe there's a doe, maybe there's a buck trailing, you yeah. know, and I uh-huh. never do. So, um, I generally like to let some lead fly in rival season on does. Um, but I did get one in late archery. So, yeah. So, this year, like, even in rifle season, I didn't really take buck hunting that seriously. Because, like, I'm more about spending time with family and stuff. Yeah. And, and luckily, I ended up getting my buck and rifle. But I really wasn't worried about taking a buck tag even into late archery because I had standing beans. Yeah. And I had easy access to evening hunt. Like, I could sneak in, sneak out 
with deer in the field yeah. in my stand mm-hmm. and uh so i really wasn't worried about taking a buck tag even into late archery but luckily it didn't go that long so mm-hmm. late archery I did kill a doe i kind of gave up on my spot in ohio i need to find a new spot for ohio mm-hmm. but yeah i'm the same way like usually i save my doe tags for muzzle loading like yeah. tom said earlier like i like to save it because that's another time like I don't really care about killing the deer. It's just having fun yeah. walking around the woods with Nick and Tom, you know, our buddies. You know, we just have a great time pushing deer. It's flintlock season yeah. or late archery, whatever you're hunting with. You know, we're just having fun. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the fact that you're killing a deer. You're just in the woods having fun. Yep. So, like I said, obviously you had a really good season. Um, and, you know, with every guest we get on the podcast, we like to do what we call a write it in pen. And it's basically just something that i don't know maybe you put towards your success in the woods or even in life um just like a little tip that you go by that keeps you either motivated or maybe you you know kind of give credit to some of your success for if you had to give like one write it in pen segment for us tonight what would you have to say yeah so going into it when i first thought about it my write it in pen was just going to be safety um but we've already talked about that a lot like wear your harness <laughs> yeah um it's not worth it no deer's worth it um but i think since we've already talked about that a lot i would say um just how we as hunters like present ourselves in the public and on social media i think is really important um you know with such a tough political climate like we talked about what was happening in new york um a lot going on in california stuff trying to happen in Virginia like it is very real that some of these like rights could be taken away from us so like how we present ourselves on social media is really important both to other hunters like not um arguing with each other over like That's oh don't use crossbows or yeah oh, like yeah. you know I'm what? okay with the thing, yeah with yeah. the joking and stuff like with your buddies and stuff yeah. but i hate somebody like keyboard warriors if you will like mm-hmm. calling somebody out that they don't even know and it's like we're on the same team here man <laughs> like, well there's some people that like literally just want to put me in their freezer they don't care what they shoot so who cares how small yeah, the buck is like you want to do yeah stop like as long as so it's illegal kill, each other. just do it but also like when we're posting pictures or whatever of deer like trying to clean it up or just present it like look we're doing this to provide food for our family or we're doing this because um hunting is conservation like explaining what conservation is stuff like that so that you know maybe i know it's like a long shot but maybe the other side can like understand why we're doing what we are what we're doing and it's not so against us so at least honor it yeah yeah like I, i don't agree with it but like i yeah understand why you're doing it. like i wouldn't they don't want to partake in it and that's fine but like allow us to do what we want and feel is right absolutely like just the other day i was on a business trip and talking to someone um who was a vegetarian and i told her that i was a hunter <laughs> and like that's a risky move but i was like here's why like yeah, I'm my sure freezer, her knee-jerk reaction was like, oh my god what are you doing yeah but i was like look my freezer is full of very lean organic meat and fish and vegetables I grew myself and my fridge is full of eggs from like I'm very I like to be very like self-sufficient and she's like you know what I really respect that I just I'm against like the farm raise aspect or the all of the other stuff that people like you know Mm -hmm. like antibiotics or whatever um that are in some of the store-bought foods and she really respected it so it's like 
I think a little bit of education can go a long way with with the right audience. I mean, there are some people yeah. who aren't going to listen, but still, like, just trying to present ourselves in the right way. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. Like you said, just getting people to understand, even if they don't agree with it, yep. getting them to understand your side and say, you know what, I get yeah, why you it. think that mm-hmm. way, but I don't think that way. Yeah. yeah. Just getting not on the exact same page, but in the ballpark. Yeah. For sure. That was a good write it in pen. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's extremely important. I mean, like even this year, especially we started like becoming more uh, active with like our social media accounts. And like when we post pictures of like, we like to post pictures of other people's deer as well, like with permission, obviously, but like we make sure it's gotta be a cleaned up picture. Like I don't, mm-hmm. everybody that hunts understands and knows the whole process that goes with the hunting, but that's not the people you're worried about seeing it. It's the people that don't hunt that you have to like the pictures need to be nice for. And and it's, it goes down to respect for the animal too. Like we always like, I, I don't like to do any blood, you know, tuck the tongue back away. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many little things you can do to make a picture, you know, jump several levels in quality. Um, that yeah. I think everybody that's, um, out there hunting and stuff should definitely like take seriously. And, you know, do more than just like a quick cell phone picture while it's laying in the ground. Like yeah. prop it up, do some, do it justice. Yeah. Well, even like I try to explain, um, maybe like in my captions or whatever, like that, you know, my, like actually killing a deer, taking a life. Like I take that really seriously. I don't, um, a lot of times, like I'm not an emotional person a lot of times, but like when it comes to hunting, like I will, like I, bawled my eyes out when I killed the deer this year, you know, because I felt bad that he suffered for so long. I worked so hard to try to make a good shot and I don't take bad shots. Like we treat the meat with like the utmost respect to make sure it's taken care of. And, Mm -hmm. and we like every night, like tonight we made steak salad and, you know, we talked about the deer that it was from. And yeah, and every time you eat a meal from that deer, you have that memory of it and the respect for it. Being in touch with the outdoors and it's not, and even people that are like, oh, you're just a trophy hunter. No, like I like killing mature bucks because I want to manage the population in a certain way. You know, mm-hmm. it's not about the antlers. It's really not. It's, it's a challenge. It's more of a challenge, certainly to kill a bigger buck, I think, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. to outsmart them in their own habitat and stuff like that. Yeah, but for sure. that's not what it's about. So just kind of like explaining, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Like, uh, because I think growing up a lot of times, I, I used to admittedly be like, hell yeah, if it's brown, it's down, you know? And, and like now it's like, okay, we really have to watch how we present ourselves. Yeah, because, you definitely, especially um, like nowadays, like you said, with the social yeah. media era, everything you do, people will see. Yeah, yeah. And it, you're talking about like tradition. Tom, when he shot his uh, doe up in Climber this year, Tell them about your tradition that you do always do, Tom, with your tobacco. Oh, yeah. That comes from Native Americans. Yeah, so um, my this actually, I learned it from my dad. He went out on a turkey hunt. He hunted like five states in five days out west. But he had a guide who was a Native American BAM. Well, they, and, they were hunting with him because they were on an Indian reservation out of yeah. South Dakota. Yeah. And when, you know, my dad would harvest a bird, his guide would pull out his pouch of tobacco and sprinkle a little bit, you know, on the carcass is just like a, a thank you. It's gi- giving thanks to the animal for it sacrificing its life for you to have food. And I always have, you know, tobacco in my hunting book bag. 
And I don't know why, but that night I shot my doe, I didn't have it with me. And like, it was just weighing on my mind. And we went back up three or four days later. And it's a 50 minute drive to get back up to where he shot that deer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just so like I could sprinkle tobacco and just put closure to the whole thing and just, you know, pay my respects and say, thank you. It's just something that I always do. That's really special. Like this year, I've never had to let an animal go overnight before, like waiting to track it. And I didn't sleep the whole night. I wanted to throw up. I just felt so awful. And that morning, um, getting ready, I said a prayer. Like, and I'm not like an overly religious person. Like, I believe in God. I don't go to church all the time because I feel like I am more in touch with God, like, in the woods than I, I am at church. There's a lot of people um, that I know that resonates with. But I said a prayer that morning, and I was like, please either um, let him live through that shot or, like, let me find him, you know, let, like, mm-hmm. let it be a quick death. And so I was really sad that it, like, I don't think it was as quick of a death as I had hoped, but um, I'm just, I was so happy. When I, actually, when my dad started, like, hooting and hollering that he found him, I, it was the same thing. Like, he was down in this ravine, like, very steep ravine, and I could not get to him. Um, and I just sat on the ground in the snow and just, like, cried. <laughs> and my dad's like, get over here. He's huge. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> but, like, it is very emotional, and it is very special, and I feel like we need to make sure that, like, people understand that a little bit better um, because it is, it's like a very real possibility that some of these rights could be taken from us. Yeah. And you know, most people like to convey the trophy and you know, the pictures they take are all about, you know, look how big my buck is, but you got to appreciate the whole process. And like you were saying, you know, you get emotionally attached to that process and you got to respect everything about it. It's Mm -hmm. not just that trophy that, and that's what most people see, like, oh, you're just killing that animal. It's like, no, I truly respect that animal mm-hmm. in the utmost degree. Like, I, you know, have a physical connection with that thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. It's... My, actually, like, my absolute favorite part of hunting, and, like, no lie, is processing my own deer. I yeah. love sitting there, I'll have a beer, I will spend hours, like, being meticulous, like, I clean that meat so good, and mm-hmm. it's just, like, a beautiful piece of meat, and I'm yeah. so proud of that. Yeah, we're this, we process all yeah. of our own deer, too. Yeah. It's, it's so, a lot of it's meat. very rewarding yeah. to, like, it's, oh, to yeah. me, like, the processing it after the fact, it kind of, like, completes the cycle, mm-hmm. where, like, you know, you do the preparation, you hunt it, you kill it, and then you process it yourself. Like, it, it kind of, it, like I said, it brings it full circle. It's there. You don't like get... you said with eating your steak salad tonight. You know, mm-hmm. you're talking about the deer that that came from. You know, it's yeah. It brings it all back around, and you can tell that story every time you eat it. Yeah. yeah. Even I mean, I understand some people can't like do it themselves or whatever, yeah. but I encourage everybody to at least try it once. Like try and get access to process a deer, or at least be there to process it once. Just in like we've always offered. Like obviously, we don't do like professional processing or anything, but like our buddies and stuff, like if anyone's interested in learning, like bring your deer over to the house. We're not going to charge you anything. We're going to walk you through it the entire time. Like grab a knife, help Mm -hmm. us. We'll show you exactly how to do it because I think it's important as a hunter to understand that whole part of the process really. Oh yeah. And I've always like, I want to learn every step of the way. And like, I want to be like self-sufficient in that way. And it's so cool. And I'm very like, I'm meticulous about it. Like take your time, clean it up good. Mm -hmm. It makes a difference in how the meat tastes. We actually built, um, we built a walk-in cooler 
Um, and nice. it doesn't really cost That's that really much. Nice. Um, so if you're interested in that, let me know because <laughs> I can tell you how to do it. It actually doesn't cost that much at all. And we age our meat for like two to three weeks. We hang the de- we skin it and hang it before we quarter it or anything. We'll take yeah. the um, inner loins out, but. Mm-hmm. We'll hang it and age it for two to three weeks before I process it. And you lose a little meat that way um, because it does, like, the outside does dry out. So you got to kind of trim off some of the stuff that, like, air touches, basically. But you lose a little bit of meat that way. But, God, it tastes so much better. Like, it's so worth it. Mm -hmm. I'd love to be able to process them we let them hang as much as you can like when like mm-hmm. on a cold winter yeah but i mean we've never been able to hang them two to three weeks i'm sure that that would make a crazy well, ours, difference i think our cooler is like eight by eight so if you ever need to hang a deer for like our <laughs> early archery or something like we got room <laughs> sounds good i'm sure we'll Care- take careful putting that. that offer out there because you're probably going to get a call now <laughs> well if you don't pick your deer up within two weeks it's ours <laughs> it becomes rageous. Tenderloin, if you don't take the tenderloins out those usually yeah. dry up and oh, go yeah. missing yeah <laughs> Uh, well, well, this was fun, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank, I was just going to say thank yeah. you for coming on. Yeah. Um, we really enjoyed it, and I'm hoping uh, you can talk Andy into I know. coming on. I know. Um, Hopefully, he's not too mad at us. I yeah. honestly, okay. Like, I'm going <laughs> to give him a lot of credit, and so like maybe he'll come back because he has like I've learned so much from him. You know, he worked at a bow shop basically his whole life. Yeah, and, he he's taught me a lot too, yeah. like with musky fishing and stuff. Like, he's definitely a hardcore outdoorsman. Like, he yeah. knows his stuff. He works hard so and he's very yeah. good like yeah. i uh he'll tell you like i probably spend more time in the woods than he does um just because my job allows it but he is such a good hunter um, absolutely i continue like him and my dad i just i'm always learning from so hopefully he'll come on <laughs> I, I think we'll be able to convince him yeah uh, but no it, it's we'll get him on there i'm pretty confident yeah. we'll get him on there but uh uh, just to wrap it up here, I know uh, Frank talked about it at the beginning, but we did just start releasing uh, videos. Right now, they're more fishing-related. Uh, Luke's been hammering steelhead in local tributaries in the area, and uh, he just put together his first video and posted that. Uh, so make sure you guys are checking that out. Uh, maybe, I don't know, he's out there a lot. Maybe you guys will run into him, but uh, overall, make sure you guys are just getting outside.